Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Rubber Guard Radio is brought to you by our sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. WrestleWarehouse.com carries a wide variety of DVDs, Lucha Libre masks, pro wrestling gear, music CDs, t-shirts, replica belts, wrestling action figures. If you need any of this stuff, feel free to check out our sponsor, www.WrestleWarehouse.com. Alrighty guys, welcome to the... January 7th edition of Rubber Guard Radio. I'm joined on the air by my co-host, Alex Saint, and my guest this for the first hour, former ECW star, C.W. Anderson. How you doing, C.W.? Good. How are you guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. Welcome to Rubber Guard. Um, oh, I appreciate your time. Oh, no worries. And, um, first off, I'd like to wish you a very happy birthday, brother. Uh, you look good for 31. <laughs> yeah, don't we wish. Don't wish I was 31, but thank you. <laughs> cool. Well, um, let's start off. How did you break into the business? Uh, I'm looking for something to do on the weekends. Uh, a buddy of mine was working on the indie shows, and I actually saw him at the McDonald's one day. It's after I got through playing college baseball. Walked in McDonald's. He was there. I was talking to him. He was like, man, what are you up to now? He goes, I'm just doing this little indie stuff, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's like, man, you should come and try it out. So you might get hooked on it. I'm like, well, I ain't got nothing to do this weekend. I might as well roll with you there. So I went to the show. It was like in a little local town where we were at. And um, got there early, got in the ring, started rolling around, and kind of got, you know, bit by the bug, so to speak. And this kind of took from there. Were you a fan growing up? or? Uh, yeah. I, you know, I've always said I was a really big fan. And um, it was not so much like the Steve Carino, Tommy Dreamer fan, because that's just freaking obsessive. But with me, I was a fan, but, you know, baseball was always my first love. And I live right right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, and, you know, the NWA was strong in this area. So, you know, going on the weekends when I got chances to Dorton Arena where, you know, man, I got to see guys flare, Rose, the Midnight Express Russell, or Express Russell on a, on a basis. And so you couldn't help but love wrestling. So how did you, um, you start to train? Who Who were your first trainers? 
uh, myself. I learned, I trained myself. Uh, it was guys that were like indie wrestlers that would show me things here and there, but nobody officially trained me until 97, 90, no, 1998 when I got it, got down to the power plant and Sarge, you know, Sergeant Butterly Parker took me under his wing. But up until then, I just kind of learned myself. So. So how was training at the power plant with, uh, Sergeant Butterly Parker and, uh, you trained in 96, 97, you said? No, it was like 98. Um, I think it was, I thought it was like 97, but it was 98 because I was there in a year and a half before the ECW thing came about. Uh, the first three days, I mean, I don't know if you ever guys ever saw, like, the videos and stuff, CNN and all the radio star TV stations used to do on that damn three-day tryout. But, my God, mm-hmm. it was brutal. I mean, I hated Sarge. I wish he would die. I wish he was <laughs> like, I wish he would have, you know, gotten a kill in the car wreck on the way to train because it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but after those three days, man, I love that guy. And today, I always, you know, I've always told him, I said, you're the reason I am who I am because you took, you know, this raw person and molded him into what people get to see on TV. Um, he got to a point where I, he was actually sending guys for me to train. You know, when he couldn't get them in the ring, he would send them over to me, like all the natural born thrillers, Chuck Palumbo. Uh, he looked skipper, uh, um, you know, those guys, Lash or Rude, he would send them over to me to train them, to show them things, this, that, and other. And, you know, he was it was very humbling for somebody because uh, Sarge is awesome. You know, he never got his respect as far as a worker, but he is a phenomenal – he was a phenomenal worker. So, but training under him and, you know, Pez Watley as well, God rest his soul. Uh, you know, I learned some things from Mike Winter as well, but those three guys, man, I can never repay them for what they, you know, they showed me in wrestling. So before you went to the power plant in your first official training sessions, did, were you working shows? Because um, you said you were self-taught in, in the beginning. So were you working shows while you were self-taught? And yeah, how yeah, well, were those there, were, there were shows around. There was two promotions that went strong around here, and it was, uh, it was called SCW, Southern Championship Wrestling, and Omega. And every weekend or every, you know, every weekend the shows contained myself, uh, Matt and Jeff Hardy, Shane Helms, um, the Duck Brothers, who were ECW, uh, Joey Matthews, Kristen York, Steve Carino, uh, Lodi, and a guy named Toad who did a little stuff at work at uh, WCW, called himself Frog. Um, God, who else uh, was it? I'm trying to think of the group. Uh, Joey Abs, we called him Venom um, <laughs> at the time, but that, that was our core group, and we all wrestled each other and was all together, so we were like one big happy family, and you know, we've always said that the group that come out of Minneapolis in the mid '80s didn't have shit on us because I think we outdrew them in money. We were actually better wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what finally made you uh, take that? What made you finally take that step to decide that you needed to get trained to continue to do this? I, you know, until I got to WCW, I didn't. I, hell, I was one of these that I thought I knew. I ain't gonna say I thought I knew it all, but I thought my work was good enough and. You know, Sarge, he didn't have to do much with me. He just had to tweak things here and there. He taught me a lot about psychology. But, you know, I think uh, Lodi called me one day because Lodi was one of my former students. I actually trained Lodi. And he's like, CW man, he said, look, me and Toad are down here at the power plant. You need to come down here. You need to go through this tryout. You need to train. Cause he said, Cause in the Carolinas, you're just spinning your wheels. There's nothing else you can do. So I went down. I uh, did the tryout. And once I basically got down there and started seeing the you know the big boys that they, they call it at the time just seeing the as you know that aspect I was like man I said I need to I need to learn more 
And then once I started, you know, I would bring my videotapes in from the weekend and sit down with Sarge, and he'd show me what I did wrong and tweak things here and there. And he, you know, he made me, as you know, Paul Heyman called me once, one time, the best heel in the business. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a very good compliment. Come from yeah, he, he said Triple H and those guys didn't have shit on me. He said I was the best heel <laughs> in the business. <laughs> okay, so uh, you trained at the WCW Power Plant. Did they offer you any kind of deal, or did you work any uh, dark matches with WCW? No, no dog matches. Uh, we, they were, we had so many guys down there that one day they uh, they came down. Uh, Paul Orndorff, J.J. Dillon, and a couple other executives came down to the power plant and watched everybody wrestle. Everybody put on these little five, ten-minute matches, and you paired up with somebody, and there was about 30 of us. So all these guys were sitting there wrestling, and, you know, it was a, pretty much they had seen everything. And the last match was me and my buddy Toad, and we did basically an ECW-style match. And, and, you know, he blew his shoulder out like six minutes in. But, you know, Sarge kept saying, you got their attention. They actually sat up in the seat and started watching me into the work, the match we were putting on. And we got through, and Brad Armstrong was putting it over, how great a match he was. All the boys were putting it over. And he went over and talked to J.J. and Paul Orndorff. And they was like, man, you know, that was, a, that was a pretty good match. But we just, you know, you guys just don't have the look. You don't have the look what we're looking for because we're not a wrestling company. We're more into entertainment and marketing. And we just really don't think your wrestling could ever match up to what we got here. Now, so, what are your opinions on that uh, coming from a – because obviously uh, Terry Taylor's done a lot in this business, but what are your opinions on uh, someone having enough talent but not being able to get a position due to a certain look? That's uh, – it's, it's, it's bullshit, to be honest with you, because this is a wrestling company. This is not bodybuilding. It's always been about professional wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. If it if it was about bodybuilding, I mean, it would be called bodybuilding, and you know that's the reason the ratings and WWE, whatever the hell it's called now, sucks right now because it's more about entertainment, and it's more about putting those those juiced up monkeys on TV that can't you know wrestle the way out of a weight paper sack. Um, <laughs> you know, God God bless you know you know for what you know with Chris Benoit, nothing can ever be taken away for what he did in the ring, but he was one of the few that had the body and could actually go. Uh, mm-hmm. The other ones, yeah, come on, give me a break. Uh, <laughs> that's why. Of, that's why I think that's one of the reasons I didn't, because yeah, I was a little more outspoken sometimes. Because hell, I can out wrestle ninety percent of the people that are up there, and uh-huh. just because I don't have that look, you know, I've proven myself all over this world. Steve Carino and I have proven ourselves the best wrestling, the best tag team in the world uh, was Shinjiro Tani Masada Tanaka. We've had matches that sold out arenas. And so we've always said, Steve and I, we're the best tag team, second best in the world, because, one, we don't need tables, ladders, and chairs to get over. You name me a tag team that got over in the 90s or 2000 without using tables, ladders, and chairs, and you probably hear crickets because there ain't one. Um, so it's it's basically a wrestling company. If it was a wrestling company, radios would be better than what it is, but these people have gotten so into looks and thinking that, you know, you need to look like a damn TV star to get up, you know, to get over, and it's not. People want to go see wrestling. Hell, they don't, if they want to watch TV in a male soap opera, they keep their fat ass at home and turn on the TV. I fully agree with you, because if it was as easy as just getting in the ring, there's a there's a lot of starving models out there that WWE could go after. Yeah, ain't that the truth? And you know, Booker T told Booker, Booker T told me and Kid Cash one day right before we got hired, and we were just coming out there doing little job matches. He's like, uh, he said, CW and Cash. He said, I hope they hire you guys. He said because I am so tired of them hiring these muscle, you know, muscle freaks that come out here and don't know, you know, a damn wrist lock from a wrist watch, and we have to retrain them. When you get to this level, you need to know how to wrestle. He said, we need guys like you that can step up and can, you know, work your ass off and go out there and put matches on with anybody. 
And because Book said he's he's seen us work, he's seen he actually seen me and Cash work together, and he's like, man, he said that's what we need. He said, damn the look, damn the size, you guys can work. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. My, my very my very first night at WWE, one of my first times before I ever got signed, I worked at uh, at Idiot Chris Masters um, when he was you know as when he was still gassed up, and uh, I come in the back after my match, and Chris Benoit was clapping. He's like, my God, you are a phenomenal worker. He says. Where did you come from? I said, well, you know, I've been in Japan. I was at ECW. He goes, you know, he says, I thought you look kind of familiar. He's like, he said, does your back hurt? And I said, well, well not really. He said, because you had to carry Chris Masters that entire match. <laughs> and he just kept uh, putting me over. He kept putting me over to the point where it got uncomfortable. And Shane Helms goes, you know, he's got that Joey Matthews disease, a great worker but never gets a break. Because Shane uh-huh. Helms and I, you know, we've been friends since we were like five years old. So Shane was pulling for me, and it was an honor for, you know, Benoit that somebody could work like that, you know, put me over like he did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you trained at the WCW power plant, and then uh, what what happened after that? Uh, I was getting ready to move down there to make it a full-time thing, and my buddy Toad got a tryout at ECW. They were down in Georgia, and he got it through Lodi, which was through Raven, through Tommy Dreamer. And Toad and I had to wrestle in South Carolina on a Saturday night, and he was like, "Man, I got to try out Sunday in uh, in Georgia with ECW." He's like, "Won't you come come down and you know meet some people, do some politics?" And I was like, "Ah, man, I don't want to do this. Hell, I just got a new girlfriend. I want to come back home, you know, do this that, and the other." And he's like, "Come on, CW, come down there." He said, "If you don't go, I'm gonna drag your ass down there." He said, "At least you can get your name out and meet some people." I was like, "You know what? Whatever. Let's do it." So he goes down there and he starts having his, he get in the ring, he starts having his match because all the guys tried out before the show. And I'm standing by the ring and I'm actually talking to Carino because Steve and I were, you know, we'd known each other for a long time beforehand. And he gets through with his match and Nova looks at me and goes, Chris, you got your gear? I said, yeah, it's in the car. He goes, well, go get it. Let's see what you got. So I get my stuff on and by the time I get in the ring, um, Paul Heyman and Bubba Dudley and Taz sit down and start watching. I do a little five-minute spill with uh, Simon Diamond. I get out of the ring and Paul looks at Fonzie and tells him, he says, hey, get the ball guy back in the ring. And, of course, that was me. So they throw me back in the ring for, like, the next hour. I go through some kind of gauntlet with all these people, and I'm doing all these kinds of things with, you know, just working through matches and this, that, and the other. And after they start opening the doors, I go in the back, and I'm in the bathroom, and I'm, I'm spitting up blood because I had pretty much busted my ass to show out. Paul Heyman walks up to me in the bathroom, sticks his hand out, and says, I'm Paul Heyman. It's nice to meet you. I said, hey, Paul. I said, I'm Chris Wright. Uh, he says, well, where are you wrestling at now? I said, well, I'm just training at WCW. He says, Did you, are you under contract? I said, no, sir. They told me, you know, I really don't have the look for, for it at WCW. He says, who do you wrestle as? I said, uh, C.W. Anderson. He goes, I knew it. He goes, you look like Arn. You got the punch like Arn. You got the spine buster. He says, don't leave before I talk to you. So I said, okay. About 10 minutes later, somebody comes and gets me, and they uh, pull me in the back, and he's sitting back there with Danny DeVito. I mean, sorry. Uh, Skovon Crush, uh, Danny Dorn and Roadkill. He says, uh, he introduced me to him, says, you're tagging with Skull against Danny and Roadkill. Welcome to ECW. Oh, wow. How did so, the CW Anderson gimmick come across? Uh, my very first night, at, you know, uh, December 4th of 1993, um, they a little indie show, they threw me out and put me under the hood to, quote, unquote, get my feet wet, you know, before I come out and did anything. Nobody knew what I was going to do. I thought, hell, I was just going to call myself Chris Wright at the time. And there were some guys that were there running the Anderson gimmick, Rocky Mills and Pat Connors. 
And, you know, they had gotten permission from Gene Anderson to use the name as they saw fit, and if they felt like passing it along, then, you know, that person would have to meet Gene, this, that, and other. And uh, they saw me wrestling, thought I would make a great addition to the Anderson family because I kind of, they said I looked like him, even though I only had a go- goatee at the time. <laughs> uh, sit down and talk to him. They said, would you like to do it? Rocky said, you know, I'm getting out. I'm, I'm a little older. He was like in his mid-40s at the time. And he said, you can tag with Pat and run up down the East Coast and, you know, pretty much you just tag and do that thing. I was like, yeah, nah, sure, why not? He says, well, we got to come up with a name for you. It's got to be kind of three letters because there was, you know, Pat and Ole and Arn. He says, you need to try to do something along those lines. For like for two weeks, I tried to come up with names. I come up with Cal and Ike. Uh, some other stupid names, and I was doing a local <laughs> local TV show, and a great friend of mine, Randy Driver, who has been like my, he was my baseball coach in Little League, he was one of the managers, and I said, Mr. Randy, I don't have a name yet to be this Anderson. He said, Ah, oh, hell, we'll just use your initials and call you CW, <laughs> and it just stuck. Okay, now during your ECW time, due to uh, the rise and fall of ECW DVD. Um, your match with Tommy Dreamer at Hilfius George has kind of been, uh, it's remembered by a lot of people through that DVD. And then also you had a really good match against Tommy Dreamer as a pay-per-view before that, the massacre on 34th Street. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about both of those matches and then how you and Tommy raised the bar at the Guilty George match. Um, the, the, the I Quit match came up of, you know, um, Kit Cash and I work November to remember. And... Uh, it got changed around. I ended up working cash, and we went out and put her a five, you know, a five star match. And I came in the back, and Tommy goes, "CW, you know, you're a hell of a talent." He says, "I can't wait to put you over on a pay per view one day." And he had been kicking around the idea of he and I doing an I Quit match, and he wanted to elevate me. He told Paul, you know, it was my time. It was time to elevate me to make me the number one heel there, along with Rhino. And uh, we were going to do the Massacre match, uh, Mask on Thirty Fourth Street, and. He felt we'd be perfect to do the I Quit match. So we did the Massacre match, uh, which I thought was a really good match. And, you know, for God, so many weeks, I sit there and watch the old Magnum TA and Telly Blanchard match because that's what I wanted to be remembered at. I didn't want to go out there and put on something mediocre. I didn't want to go out there and have the match any interference. I just wanted to be me and Tommy um, to be the big blow-off. And I think it could have been even better if our built-up, you know, like how Raven and Tommy would have was back in the mid nineties. You know, that was our idea was to build that feud like that. Um, because people were starting to appreciate me as a great wrestler and get more on the side of me being a babyface. But um when I got before the match, you know, Tommy and I sit down and talked about it and he goes, Look, after the match he says, If we have a good one and I feel good about it, I'm gonna shake your hand. Uh, I said, Okay. So the match was over with, he shakes my hand, he's going back and you know, if you go back and watch the video, the original Guilty as Charged 2001, um, you hear the people as they're reviewing our match, you start hearing the people chant CF and Dub. I had 3,000 people at the Hammerstein Ballroom standing on their feet, giving me a standing ovation and chanting my name for the match I put on. And what makes it even more special, you know, this being the seventh anniversary, because it's been seven years since we did that match. Oh, you know, wow. You know, Jan- January 7th is my birthday, so today's my birthday, as you said, and I had turned, that was my 30th birthday present. I was I turned 30 at that match. Oh, wow. <laughs> what an awesome birthday present. Yeah. So it, it was somebody I did an interview not too long ago, and the guy goes, "Did you know, during the match, did you think you were putting on something that was going to be talked about for years to come? And pretty much when they say the match, I quit, there's going to be 
four names they talk about. Magnum T.A. Taylor Blanchard, Tommy Dreamer, and C.W. Anderson. I'm like, no. At the time, it never hit me, but, you know, God, it's been seven years since we did it, and people are still talking about it. How do you feel about how well the WWE put you over on that Rise and Fall DVD? Uh, it could have been more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think they took more of the Rise and put in there and left out the Fall because mm-hmm. I was there at the end, and they sugar-coated how bad we were being treated, the things that were going wrong. They never let guys like myself, Danny Doran, Roquel, Chris Chetty, Mikey Whitbreath talk. Um, They let all the ones that made a name for themselves, Bubba Dudley, the Dudleys, Taz, guys that were at WWE, they let them talk. You know, hell, why would they talk bad about ECW? Hell, they're making hundreds of thousands upon millions of dollars a year. They didn't talk about guys like me that lost, you know, 50-some thousand dollars, lost his wife, lost his house, lost his truck, um, for seven months drove to every damn event on his own dime, making 75 bucks a night. Uh, they, they they wouldn't interview guys like me, and they just I think they sugarcoated too much at the end of it, and they it should have the people really are never going to see or hear how bad it was for us. You know, nobody at WWE or WCW would work under the conditions we had to work with, not getting paid for a month at a time, bouncing checks, having Paul lie to us, you know, on, on a weekly basis. So, as far as they how they put me over. You know, at least a moment I could say, and that's the way I look at it in some instances. You know, I I was part of a group that revolutionized pro wrestling, and, you know, one thing I can say is, you know, my match, my equip match will always be talked about. That's why, you know, if you ever go to my MySpace, if my motto is what we do in life, that goes in, ter- in eternity. So for what I've done in my lifetime, people are going to talk about for years upon years to come. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... uh you worked for uh, after ECW folded, and then uh, that happened. What, what did you do next with your career? I did a, uh, just some indie stuff, and uh, a shot came up for me to go to Japan. Steve Carino was the NWA heavyweight champion, went over to Japan to wrestle uh, Shinya Hashimoto, and uh, they he he got in good with them. He got in to be the Gaijin agents, and they were looking for another American guy to come over, and Steve mentioned me. And they were like, oh, well, you know, I think CW is going to cost, too, cost us too much money. And Steve was like, no, no, CW would be perfect. Well, through emails from uh, Nakamura, who's the Japanese boss, and through Steve, uh, Tanaka was in the office one day and saw that they were considering bringing me over. And Tanaka was like, oh, God, please bring CW over. He would be good for our company. Mm-hmm. So in like '01, they brought me over for, you know, kind of a tryout tour. And after my first match, you know, Nakamura comes up to Steve and says, keep booking CW. We want him here all the time. <laughs> now, so, is this before or after Steve Carina had opened up the Premier Wrestling Federation? Uh, this is this is a, this is before. Uh, oh, okay. you know, And then that's why, you know, then he opened it during while we were going back and forth to Japan. And while we were in Japan, we'd be coming up with angles and shows and stuff like that. And then uh, it kind of coincided with it. So that was actually really fun doing that. How was uh, your first uh, trip over to Japan, and how uh, how was it working with uh, the Japanese talent? My very first time over there, I freaking hated that place. Um, <laughs> you know, you walk, you, you usually okay. You're going to your motel room. You're, you you think you're gonna walk into something like maybe Motel Six or something like that. The big you know, good size hotel rooms, and you walk into a freaking Cracker Jack box. <laughs> it's just a little. It's it's not even big as a 
of a, as a car. You know, you have a, a twin bed enough for your two bags. It has a little table that has a TV on and a little plastic bathroom, and that's it. Uh, no leg room, no nothing. It's very cramped and confined. And I've always said, for some reason, they're playing nothing but Japanese stations over there. I can't figure it out. There's no American stations. <laughs> um, you can't read anything on the signs. You you don't know where the hell you're going. Uh, they don't cater to you over there like how our country caters to every foreigner over here. You know, everything you buy is in French, Spanish, and every other language just because, you know, you might not be able to speak English. If over there you don't speak Japanese, you're, you're ass out. you got to learn the language. <laughs> So the very first night there, I wanted to come home. I was really considering calling Northwest, changing my ticket, coming home, say, the hell with this. <laughs> but I, I stuck it out. Um, and after the first tour, as far as the being over there, it got easier. And it got to a point where I actually loved it. Uh, being in front of the Japanese fans, they are the best fans to wrestle in front of. You, you, know, you see them being quiet, they're watching, they're listening, you know, waiting for it. But in the go-homes and when you're you know, coming to the end of your match, they're all into it. And if you can make them stand up and do things, you, you've done something. And you, when you get out of the ring, you felt like you've accomplished something being in there with the, you know, with the Japanese. Uh, I've always said it's a strong style fighting. It's a cross between UFC and pro wrestling. It's not so much entertainment, but it's not so much straight contact. I mean, you're bringing it. Um, you know, I've broken my neck over there. I've had it set off the axis joint, broke my hand, ribs. I've had my lips split all the way through like Cactus Jack. I've had so many injuries over there just because of how rough that sport is. But it's one of those you, you, you get addicted. You want to go back for more. My, I, I lived in Japan for two years, and I always have this memory of uh, going to a steakhouse and having to buy a meal for a family just, just for uh, portions for myself. Oh, yeah. I'm a larger boy, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, we're, we're grown men. We We can eat. <laughs> Because they're, they're, they're so small, and you know everything over there. It's not big like it is here. You know, the McDonald's are really small, and you go upstairs, downstairs. Um, their food's really small. You know, their large drink over there is like a medium, if that. And But it's good. Their food's good over there. <laughs> but it's it's expensive. So uh, how much uh, going, because you said you were working for PWF and you were working for Zero One at the same time, how was the transition working each crowd and then working the different talent? Because over in Japan you'll work in, uh, obviously, uh, Japanese people who go under a different training and then you'll come back to America and work you know, independent talent who may not have had you know, as good a training as the Japanese. So how was that transition? You can ask anybody that's been to Japan, um, and as far as wrestling and comes back, they hate American wrestlers <laughs> because the, the, they see how much the Japanese kids have to go through just to get in the business over there. I mean, the first year they want to be a pro wrestler and they're training, they're not allowed in the locker room. Um, they they grab our bags, they tow the bags, they have to set up the ring, take the ring down. Uh, there's so much those kids have to do, and they get the crap beat out of them. They get slapped around. I mean, I had... I saw one guy, uh, Yoshida Sasaki, he, he was having chopsticks shoved in the head of his penis. Oh, um, no. And, and then, they would, <laughs> uh-uh. then they would pull him apart and put money in it. And he, you know, it's part of this training over there. It's part of the hazing and the ritual of them, you know, of the things they have to do. You can't do that to these little spoiled brats over here. Um, anybody over here can get a pair of boots and be called a wrestler. 
You know, I actually heard a guy one time on a radio interview said he learned how to wrestle by playing PlayStation over here. And so anybody that comes over, goes over to Japan and comes back, they hate the American wrestlers, and the transition is you just basically want to beat them up. <laughs> that's what I would normally do to the kids around here because a lot of them are just so disrespectful out there wearing their jewelry and their earrings. I mean, damn, you're out there for a fight. You know, learn, take take some respect in this business. Take some respect about yourself. Get your damn gear made to quit going to Walmart and quit thinking you're going to be the next Raven because that grunge stuff them been and gone. Um, guys really prefer being over and working in Japan. The transition as far as the style, you make it your own style. You know, you can take that Japanese style and bring it back over here. It's much easier than what these kids want to do. You know, these kids want to jump off the top of damn trees and stuff like that. Um, and it's not work, It's not wrestling. So to somebody that maybe don't know what's going on, but to somebody that was a seasoned vet like Steve and myself, it, it wasn't that bad of a transition. Um, I do have a question about uh, Zero One. All right. Um, what are your feelings on probably my favorite tag team in the world right now, Akuta Hadaka and Dick Togo? Oh my God, I got to wrestle those guys on numerous occasions. Big, I'm, and I'm Stephen. I were big marks for them. You know, Paul London and I wrestled them at one of the uh, uh, Japanese American shows. I would wrestle Hadaka and uh, Fujita numerous times. Wrestle Togo numerous times and. Those guys, you're talking about an underrated tag team. Those guys are truly, truly underrated. Uh, just the stuff they come up with is amazing, uh, and they're so fast in the ring, so fluid. Their matches are so good. Just one of those you have to you have to sit and watch them live to get the appreciation, um, the true appreciation of those guys. And just to see, you know, they're only like five two, five three. They're not very tall. Uh, but they're they are right now probably the best tag team in the world, especially Tanaka, Tanaka and Otani. Because I have no idea about what's going on over there. But you know, at the time, those guys could go. Yeah, um, I I like Hadaka because he's more of a hybrid type. He he does the the Lucharesso, um Mitsunuka Pro type flying, and right. he also has the the battle arts background too, yeah, which is Hidaka really interesting. All. Yeah, my, you know, not, many people, not many people know that, you know, Hadaka, if you weren't a great ECW fan and not this new generation crap, but the old ECW, you know, Hadaka was, was over in ECW with us. So um, Hadaka, can, he can do any kind of style. You know, his English is really good. And uh, he, he's, he's truly, he was one of my favorites to work over there. Yeah. Um, let me see. Well, you mentioned it, Otani and Tanaka. What are your feelings on those two gentlemen? Nah, when they're together, the best tag team in the world, easily. Tanaka, singles, they're they're the best. Together, there's nobody hands down that can hang with them. Uh, Steve and I put on great matches with them. I would I loved working them. You know, you you pretty much win a fight when you go out there because Otani would beat you up. That's just his gimmick. That's the way he was taught. Um, and it was nothing nothing personal, but you know, Otani's dumped me on my head numerous times. And, you know, you can even, if you ever interview Karina, you can ask him about the chemistry Masato Tanaka and I have. We've put on matches that Steve, Loki, and Spanky have said that blew my high-quitch match out of the water. Uh, <laughs> my P, I have a PWF match where I fight Tanaka for the title that uh, left everybody speechless, even the boys in the back. Were, they were 
talking about how much better that match was than my I Quit match. And then he and I had one in Japan for his belt that had, you know, 3,500 Japanese people standing on their feet by the end of the match. The match he and I had, that's, he, that match, he, you know, knocked my head off my axis joint. He literally knocked me out with his ruined forearm and split my hand open. And it was, you know, I had Spanky and Loki and Carino second to me in the match, and uh, Tanaka had his guy second to him. And as I'm sitting there coming to in the match, they're sitting there, and Spanky's just like, oh, my God, that match was phenomenal. So Tanaka, Tanaka's one of those guys, man, he, if you can roll with him, you're going to have a great match. Unfortunately, a lot of Americans may only remember Masato Tanaka from swinging chairs and stuff, but he also could put on phenomenal matches. How do you feel about Tanaka making those decisions to get into a lot of chair swinging contests? And uh, do you feel that he should have been better utilized as a, a good wrestler he was? Yeah, he should have. And even Tanaka, he, 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 from knowing him like I do now, seeing him do the chair stuff, and he just he hated doing it. He hated wrestling Mike Awesome. Every time he had to wrestle Mike Austin, he just cussing to himself. And, you know, when Mike, there was a chance of Mike Austin coming back to Japan for zero one, Tanaka put the kibosh on it because he's like, he's pretty much like, screw that because he hated those <laughs> matches. He hated his match. He'd rather wrestle. He didn't want to do that chair swing and stuff. That was, you know, that was the old Masada Tanaka. He's he's taking his bumps and bruises, but, you know, he wasn't going to be outdone. He'd go out there and swing it with the best of them. But I think he would have been better utilized doing, you know, his style, but, hell, there won't be any ECW that could hang with him. Definitely, definitely. He was definitely a really good talent. Okay, so, uh... What's what's this was stuff, Alex? He's still a hell of a talent. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, bad choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Okay, bro. so you worked for Zero One, and then, um... I know you worked some for Ring of Honor. How do you feel? How, uh, how do you feel about the way you're utilized in Ring of Honor, and did you enjoy your time there? It was okay. It wasn't some of my best times. I don't think I was ever utilized right. I mean, but you know, there's there's a lot of young kids that work there. Um, there was a lot of heat that went on between me and Gabe Sapolsky. Sp- Sp- however you say his damn true name. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, I like Gabe. Uh, I didn't at one time because he bashed me on the internet for taking the zero one booking instead of working for them. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, there was a time they wouldn't bring me up because they didn't want to pay the hundred bucks in the air fire to bring me up. So I just did a few shows for them. I mean, those guys go out there and they don't get paid much, but they get the fans for, you know, we used to at ECW. So as far as the company, I, I guess, I don't even know anything about them right now, but at the time they were a really good company and the fans definitely got their money's worth out of them kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, what what other companies were you working? Uh, you said you work at Zero One. Uh, was there any other American companies that you worked with real uh, real frequently in America? Um, none to really mention. You know, I did uh, an NWA stuff down for Jody Peterman in Georgia. You know, every other month or so, and there was a promotion here called Live Action Wrestling where a lot of WCW guys went. And um, I wrestled for them for a while. You know, the Steiners were there and Buff Bagwell. And then, you know, Karina and I were doing Hermie Saddle's UWF up until I'm actually thinking he's closing it, but up until both of us retired. Um, but I think the UWF one was the only thing worth mentioning because of the matches that were there and the talent that was being used. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, TNA talent? He would bring the TNA guys in, but, you know, like again, the Steiners were there. Uh, we did war games back in September where – it was, you know, uh, Bradshaw and Sergeant Slaughter were the two captains, and it was, you know, me and Steve, the Steiners, 
uh, LAX, Kirby and TJ Mack, uh, Elix Skipper, Dustin Rhodes, you know, with all of us in the war game. So that was, that was, that was really fun to do. And that was your second war game, because I also remember you doing a war games for MLW. How, oh, yeah, how was I, I forgot I forgot about the MLW group. But yeah, MLW <laughs> was one that was that was I thought had the potential to be the best, you know, to be even better than what TNA was trying to be because of just the group they had. And um, somebody finally took a chance and put the Extreme Horsemen at top, and we showed that you know for a while we were selling out crowds, we were actually selling out buildings that ECW could never sell out. And, you know, we always said that if you put the Extreme Horsemen, we could do things, and finally somebody gave us a shot. But I had fun actually, you know, being one of the top guys there with Simon Diamond and Steve Carino and them giving us the chance that we did. So I had to really thank Court Bauer for giving us that shot. Because that was the one thing, you know, the, the Horsemen never did. We never put ourselves on top and wouldn't do jobs for people. We realized that if we were the top heels, we needed to get our ass beat to make things get over and a lot of guys don't understand that nowadays and before then that when you're you got that power control like how the Nash and Hall and them did at WCW they didn't want to do jobs because you know they were the top guys there it's, it's wrestling it's, it's it's fixed so <laughs> that's that's the thing guys don't understand to a point and Steve and Simon I understood it too well I guess that's I guess that's why I mean who, who knows why but um I think that's one of the reasons we, we would draw because they know we'd go out there and put on great matches, but in the end, of course, we were going to get dumped. How uh, how did you come up with the name Extreme Horseman for the group? That was Dusty Rhodes' idea. Steve and I had mentioned it at one time, but it kind of got pushed to the side, but we were working for uh, Dusty Rhodes' Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling, and Dusty wanted to put Barry Wyndham with me and Steve, and he wanted to call us the Extreme Horsemen because Barry Wyndham came from the full horseman, and Steve and I came from the Extreme. So one night in Georgia, uh, me and Steve were working uh, Dusty and Dustin Rhodes, and we had a match and beat him down, tied Dustin up, and he got juiced, and we started beating Dusty down, and Barry came in to make the save and ended up turning on them and coming with us. And, man, that place rioted people were trying to get in the ring and everything, and that's the night the Extreme Horsemen were built. So then Steve and I just ran with it. Okay, and then also uh, Pro Wrestling World 1. What, what what was that promotion? Was that a Zero One uh, PWF? It was a PWF, and Steve just changed the name for it. Pretty much the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> yep. But then also you brought over some Zero One guys. Yeah, that's when the Zero One guys would come over and work for us, you know, just give it a different look. uh which was which was pretty cool. A lot of the American fans got to see the actual Japanese talent uh, with you know Kohei Sato and guys like that that they would never normally get to see. So it, it was pretty good that Steve did that, and the Japanese would come over because man, they they were actually you know putting on good shows. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then um, I see you did a TNA Explosion match with uh, you and Chaz Taylor against D Ray Three Thousand and Shark Boy. Was that a trial match for you, or what exactly? How did that come across? That was uh, Bill Barry told me to fly myself down, no pay, give me give you a tryout. I walked in, had a tryout, and all the agents and all the boys said I had the best match of the night. Walked in and stole <laughs> the show. And uh, the reason I didn't get hired is because Dutch Mantel said I looked too old and I wasn't in shape. <laughs> you mean to tell so me I walked back in, and bite you again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you mean to tell me I walked in off the streets, had the best wrestling match of the night, and. His old beat up ass thinks I look too old as long with those other gold guys that are there. Okay. 
Yeah, great. And I don't, and I'm not getting in shape. So, you know, Jerry Lynn told me he's like, CW, you got to be in shape. He said it's a cosmetic company. So for like the next year, I busted my ass, got in tremendous shape, and uh-huh. that's when I like to die from, you know, my liver problems and stuff. Oh wow. So, okay, so uh, the, the liver problems. When did that start affecting you? Uh, September of '05. I got to a point where I was. People noticed me. I was getting yellow. I couldn't eat. Um, I went to the chiropractor because I normally, you know, routine visits. And one of the nurses goes, "Chris, why don't you go to the doctor? You're looking a little jaundice." And I got home that day and tried to eat a, like a scoop of ice cream and threw it right back up. And they went to the doctor and I got blood tested and she come back in. She goes, "Chris, your liver's in failure." She said, your bilirubin's count is up, which your bilirubin's, for people who don't know, is something that helps your liver process what's being pushed through it. Well, my your normal people, they're supposed to be at one. They said anything above seven is deadly. Well, mine was at 11 and ended up spiking to 23. He got to the point where they put me on the donor list because they didn't think I was going to come around. Um, and it come from taking a supplement called Anabolic Extreme from uh, – it was called Superdraw by Anabolic Extreme. And after about, my God, I only know it two weeks, and it shut my liver down. The Washington Post picked up on my story when it hit the wrestling internet that, you know, C.W. Anderson might not live. And they did tests on this product, and it turned out to be turned out to be uh, a steroid. They just put, added another molecule to, so they could sell it. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it was like Anadrol. So Anadrol Jeez. 50 or something. And they banned it. it was the FDA banned it. So, so unfortunately, huh? Unfortunately, you were kind of like a, a test dummy for the, that drug since they couldn't get yeah, FDA. Like, you know, and then even one of the owners of the of the people started bashing me. All these bodybuilders started bashing me uh, because I had the reaction to it. And they always they all said that you know I took too much. This, that, and other, and I'm here. And, you know, if I'd have took too much, yeah, I would have come out and said, yeah, I took a little too much, and it got me. But I took exactly what it said on the bottle. I even had a nutritionist tell me what to take, and a, a buddy of mine that's a bodybuilder tell me the amount to take. I took exactly what they said, had my water intake, and it still damn near killed me. Um, even one of the owners said, why is he taking this? Look at him. He shouldn't be taking this stuff. You know, the FDA paid him to say all this stuff. What? Or this guy is a freaking moron to think the FDA would pay me to say all this thing. Okay, if they were, they haven't paid my damn doctor bill from UNC. Because <laughs> my ass yeah, really? died. Yeah, for two and a half months, I couldn't come outside. I lost uh, right at, in nine days, I lost 25 pounds. I ended up losing almost 50 pounds in less than two months because of this damn product like to kill me. Oh, wow. Um, I, I hate I hate to jump away from that, but... Uh, Right before that happened, there were the two uh, reunion shows, the ECW Hardcore Homecoming and uh, ECW One Night Stand. Um, how did you feel about both shows uh, individually? And then uh, how was your match at Hardcore Homecoming? Hardcore Homecoming blew One Night Stand away as far as the feeling, the emotion, that being true ECW. Um, I got shunned on One Night Stand. I was supposed to, me and uh, Johnny Swinger were supposed to wrestle Danny Dorn and Roadkill at the one-night stand match, and we got scrubbed uh, so they could get more WWE guys over. Imagine that. Um, the hardcore homecoming match, you know, Simon Diamond and I were the first match against Mikey Whitbreck and Chris Chetty, and Simon and I were the first people to walk out, and we get in the ring, and the emotions and the adrenaline so high that we're almost emotional. And Simon looks at me, and he goes, you know, if you can't get up for this match, 
you're never going to be able to get up for anything. It was so hot in that building. The crowd was so ready that I, I, for like three hours, Simon, I sit outside and was drinking some beers trying to calm our nerves down because we were so pumped up and so, you know, just amped about what we just did. But that first hardcore homing show, hardcore homecoming, man, that was that was something I always remember. The next one he tried to do the loops with it, and that kind of sucked. But um, right after that, you know, we did more well, right after the first hardcore homecoming. The next night we did the one night stand, and it just totally killed because it wasn't ECW, you know, it was it was WWE. So how, how, how did you how, how did you feel about the the lot of the WWE inclusion on the show because it was definitely marketed as an ECW nostalgia show, and then there was a heavy WWE um, influence on the show with talent. There was there were storylines between the different brands uh, fighting with the WWE people and even the the big brawl at the end. So uh, how did how did you feel about that? I think it was BS because you know the only reason that WWE guys were there so Vince could say that you know if this pay per view is a success, it's because his WWE guys were there. The mm-hmm. crowd didn't give a shit about them WWE. They give the they care because ECW was there. You know they don't care about the you know the Bradshaws and guys like that coming in doing their little entrance and stuff. Who cares? It was an ECW show. It should have been ECW talent. And there again, you know, as Vince thinking he's created wrestling because you know this guy had the nerve to say one day that he created the UF'd up chance and all the stuff that you know ECW used to chant that he created that back in the nineties. That was his idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, hello. Oh wow. So what color is the sky in your world, Vince? This is ridiculous that you would think something like that. Um he he doesn't he didn't get ECW. He still doesn't to this day. That's why the product was doomed from the start. You know, somebody that's a close friend of mine that works there, I'll run, keep his name out of it, but uh-huh. When he found out I got signed, he called me one night and he says, "Man, I'm so glad they signed you." He says, "I just hope Vince don't ruin the nostalgia that's ECW." He said, "I hope he don't take what ECW is and was and just ruin it." He said, "Cause I got a feeling that's what's going to happen." Because Vince didn't create ECW, ECW was getting such a great buzz that people were clamoring to find ECW video that Vince was going to do anything and everything in his power to bury it so he could look like the bigger man and his company could look like the superior company. Was Steve Carino invited to the, the first One Night Stand show? Yeah, and if he, if he was. Him. Yeah, he basically told him to hug his nuts because he wasn't going <laughs> to. Do you yeah. wish you would have been involved in the the ECW One Night Stand? Uh, looking yeah, back, yeah, I wish I'd have gotten to wrestle. You know, we were supposed to wrestle, and then there was Tommy says, "Well, they're gonna make you guys a, uh, a dark match." Um, then that got scrapped. They said, "Well, Danny and Roadkill, you got a promo. CW, you're gonna do a dark match, or you're gonna do you're gonna work on Heat." Then that got scrapped. The reason they didn't want anybody a dark match or me working on Heat, they didn't want the live crowd to lose their pop by somebody wrestling. Before the show started, yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've never promoted a show, so maybe there's some kind of psychology behind that. I don't know. <laughs> I've been doing it 14 years. Ain't no psychologist, just them being idiots. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about when you were brought into ECW. How, how much creative control do you felt that Paul Heyman had in the ECW product? And then how was it Heyman's attitude? Because in a lot of ways, he was put out there as the front guy for the promotion. But yeah. then it, it definitely wasn't a Paul Heyman product. So how was his feeling backstage? The, 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 night I got, the time I got hired, you know, I asked Rumor, I said, okay, who's in control? 
this, the day he, Tommy hired me. He says, me and Paul have complete control. It's going to be like it used to be. We're going to have a great time. You're going to be one of the top guys there. Uh, you're going to make so much money because what they offer me, well, jack. It won't nothing. Um, guys that have been, they ain't even been in the business get paid more than what I got paid. So he says, you know, you're going to make so much on royalties. He says, Paul and I have complete control. I was like, all right, I don't have to go to Ohio Valley? He says, no. I'm, I'm, we're going to pick up where we left off? Yep, we're going to pick up where we left off. All right, I'm in. The very first night was the ECW Arena show, and I worked Sabu. That was all Paul. From there on out, Paul had no control. None. It got taken from him. It got to where even Tommy resigned that he was just talent because he was so fed up with the product and he hated it so bad. Um, um, then you could see just pretty much the glimmer had gone out of Paul's eye because that wasn't his baby anymore. It was all Vince. Paul could say and do what he wanted to, but Vince finally had he finally had the last word. Oh wow. That's uh and then is that uh what came with the change name to the Christopher W. Anderson? Oh my god, they Paul called he he sits me over in the corner one day, he says, Vince doesn't like your name. All right. Why? Well, you know there's CM Punk, okay, I've been in this business how long? I was at ECW first. He said, "What if Paul thinks they're going? People are going to get you confused with CM Punk? You know, Paul, I can really see how people are going to get me and CM Punk confused. We both look alike. We got the same wrestling style. You know, I can see that. I really can see it. Yeah, come on, don't insult my intelligence." Uh, he says, "Well, also, you know, people think you're going to be you're part of the CW network. And uh, well, you know, I've had this name CW since 1993. So if anybody's copying anybody." It's the CW Network. Hell, even the CW Network had movie stars doing my CW to promote their stuff. I came up with that. <laughs> I mean, come on. Is you that much of an idiot to think people are going to get me confused with the CW Network? I mean, when the CW Network first came on, people said, damn, CW. Even people that didn't even know, you know, know me personally. Out in Alabama, there was radio shows that think that the CW Network was CW Anderson's wrestling network. Oh, wow. <laughs> so i got friends everywhere that say, man, radio DJs are talking about you because they think you have something to do with the CW network. You know, they think you own it or something like that. Come on. And me looking like and being confused with CM Punk. So I was like, okay, what's, you know what? I'm a team player, Paul. I'll do, what, I'll do what needs to be done. I'll change my name. What's he want to change it to? Oh, he don't know. Well, let me keep my CW hands because that's all I got. You know, my, my hands are you know, my hook. So and I would love to keep the Anderson name, even Arm pushed for that. And they and they come up with the Christopher W. Anderson, which was about just as damn dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so and and then you put over uh, CM Punk at the Hammerstein Ballroom ECW television taping. How was it when ECW returned to the Hammerstein Ballroom for that TV taping? Well, it never had a different feeling. <laughs> Uh, I was the where I, I don't remember where it was I put over Punk, but it wasn't Hammerstein. The only time I worked Hammerstein, oh, it I worked, no, I worked Shannon Moore at that one, which that's a story in itself. I was oh. really excited about working at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah, okay, there again, Ham, Shannon Moore is another name that was started with us in the Carolinas. So I was actually excited about working Shannon Moore because all the agents just clamored over me. You know, they would say. Uh, I'd have I'd have them come up to me and introduce herself and say, "Man, you, we can't find nothing wrong with your work. It's amazing how methodical, how perfect you are in the ring." Vince McMahon asked Dean Malenko one day, "said Find something wrong with CW's work. Everybody else, you can find something wrong with. You need to find something wrong with CW." Dean goes, "I can't." 
there's nothing wrong with this kid's work. He's perfect, technically perfect in the ring. So Vince is going to make a uh, – he's going. Well, I don't know what you call it, but he's going to show me out in front of everybody. So he puts me with Shannon Moore at the Hammerstein Ballroom, me being the uh, heel, Shannon being the baby face. I walk out to a reception because that's the first time I've been back since my I Quit match. I get a great reception. Shannon comes out. We start our match. Him being the baby face, he's over the first couple minutes. All of a sudden, we get a cue from the headset from this idiotic ref that with us. Shannon, uh, you go heel. So they turn Shannon heel in the middle of the match. Two minutes later, CW, you go back heel. Okay? So, and Shannon's supposed to be over in this match. All right? Shannon, make your baby face come back. Well, damn it. You know, at the time, Shannon was a, was a heel. How is he going to make a baby face come back? So and then they're saying, they're saying, CW, you're over. What? They're changing the finish during the middle of the match. So I'm calling a spot in the ropes. Shannon's coming off for something. I can say, spine buster, let's finish this. He comes off for a flying form. I catch him weird and kind of dump him backwards. And I cover him. One, two. He kicks out. The ref has three matches over with. Oh, wow. So what was the reaction when you got to the back of the... I didn't say a word. I got back because I knew what was going on. I sat down. I had my head down. I didn't say a fucking word. I just sat there and just sit there. Shannon comes to the back, and Johnny Ace, he grabs uh, Shannon, and he's like, he's on Shannon about all the stuff he did wrong, blah, blah, blah. He goes, CW, man, we wanted you to hit him with just a schoolboy roll-up. What What am I supposed to do? Read your fucking mind? You <laughs> a schoolboy school roll-up, and you're and this ref, we can't even under, hardly understand him of what's going on. I said, the reason I hit him with this, I was protecting him instead of dumping him on his head. Mm-hmm. So that whole match, the Hammerstein, it was a it was a wash because you know Vince was just making a, a spectacle out of me because you couldn't find he couldn't find nothing wrong with my work. None of the agents could. <laughs> when they, when we, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Continue. No, I was gonna say every time I would work a match, no matter if it was CM Punk, Shannon Moore, and. The only one they would never critique our match over was Stevie Richards. When Stevie Richards and I would come in the back, they'd say, great match. This is from Ricky Steamboat, Arn Anderson, um, Ted DiBiase, Steve Kern. They, they would say, great match. But anybody else, they'd get on punk about his stuff. They'd say something to Shannon about his. But me, they look and go, CW, perfect again. Oh, so, wow. But, yeah, but I'm the one that gets released and can't, you know, can't stay there. <laughs> How often were the referees uh, a part in the in the WWE matches? Because they do have the headsets. They're, they're talking directly to the agents. So. Yeah, they're, all, they're always a part of it. They're the third man in the, in the ring. They're always a part. You know, they got yes, the headsets. They're getting cues from the back. You know, if you're not looking at the camera, turn and look at the camera. Uh, if they want you to do something or something, you know, they, they always got the cues, go home early, extend it. They're always a part of it. Okay. When, when did true. you first learn how to, how to work the cameras? Because I know that's an art in itself. Uh, pretty much at the power plant. You know, you hear about it, but at the power plant, they'd always say, all right, hard cameras here. You have to work towards it. You know, you're not working for it. When you go, <laughs> you feel kind of stupid, but some shows you go to, like at ECW, the camera, the hard camera, there'd be nobody there. And, you know, it'd be a 2,000-seat building and 500 seats are completely empty. 1,500 fans are directly behind you. And you had to go to the camera and do your hook and do your poses with nobody looking. You're not looking at anybody but a camera because you're playing to the you're playing to the millions watching at home, not the 1,500 people in the crowd. Oh, wow. 
So it's really awkward to go out there and, you know, you, I'm coming out trying to be this badass and do my little CW hands, and I'm like, I'm just doing it to an empty damn seat. <laughs> so, Reminds you of NWA TV back in the day. Yeah, studio. <laughs> yeah, that little ass studio um, they got. I do have a question regarding um, Ole Anderson. Oh, God. Um, there was an issue uh, at an indie show between you two. Um, can you break it down for us? He's not dead yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just gotten back from Japan. Ole is the last Anderson to give me the permission to use the Anderson name. It was a really, it was a really big deal for me. I really got banged up in this in my Japan tour. So. A guy brings him down, High Spots Wrestling. They bring him down um, to do the gimmick with me because they're going to make money off the DVDs. Well, he just wants to peddle that crappy-ass book of his. Um, he sits at the table. He doesn't want to do any kind of promo, any kind of angle with me. He just wants to sit there. So Mike and those guys from High Spots are like, CW, just shoot on him. He's being he's being an ass. He doesn't want to be – he's not being cooperative. Just shoot on him. So – I first go up to him and introduce myself. I said, uh, hey, Ole, I said, my name's Chris Wright. I said, I'm CW. He goes, you're who? I said, I'm Chris Wright. I said, I'm CW. He goes, you're another Anderson? I said, uh, yes, sir. He goes, oh. And my my girl at the time shakes his hand, and uh, he didn't even say hey to her. He goes, buy my book. <laughs> so... One of my buddies comes up to me. I give him a quick guy hug, and he goes, oh, my God, 25 years out of this business, and everybody's turned to fags. <laughs> so we we kind of laughed about it and put it off, and during the match, you know, after the match, I'm supposed to, you know, say some things to him and then just go off on him, you know, be you just berate him. The cameras are all there. I get out of the match, and I go over to him, and I said, Ole, you know, I've traveled a long ways to come and see you. And under his breath, I hear him go, I don't give a shit. And at that point, I was like, you know what? He's not even worth my time. So I sit there and I tell him something to the effect of, you know, you can be a man, grant me this wish of calling me an Anderson. Uh, I'm going to stick my hand out once, blah, 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 whatever. It's up to you. Finally, he does it. I said, now, I'm going to take the name you can only bring to here and take it up here. So after the match, uh, I go in the back, and the hot spot guys go, man, we really want you to shoot on him. I'm like, yeah, he's not worth it. He's decrepit. He's old. He'll die soon enough. They're like, well, could you just talk about him? We're going to turn the camera on and let you talk. So for five minutes, I go off on him, and hot spots had the video. It's in my old shoot interview, and it's along with the Ole Anderson thing. But I talk about, you know, how dare he be bitter towards his business. If it weren't for the fans, his ass would be working at Burger King, and if it weren't for me, Nobody would be even buying his book. He would be on a damn bookshelf collecting dust. I'm the Anderson that's kept this name going for so damn long. So I just went on all this, this tantrum. I can't even remember about it. It's been so long ago. But he'd, get, he'd go to do radio interviews, and they'd mention my name, and he'd go off about how I wasn't that great of a wrestler and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, yeah, what well, the hell with him? If it weren't for Arn, he would have never been anything. Gene and Arn carried his fat ass, so the hell with him. <laughs> now, the... Um... I'm not quite sure who put out the DVD set, but um, it's called Omega, An Uncommon Passion. Hot have spot. you seen it? No, I have not. Hot Spots put it out. Oh, really? You yeah. need to go out of your way to check that out. It's a pretty good uh, documentary, and they've got a couple uh, serial thriller uh, matches on there with the Hardys, which were just tremendous. Oh, um, I imagine. What, what, are, what are your opinions on the Hardys as in-ring talents? 
Matt and Jeff are, are really great. I think, and I said it, I said, you know, to them that what made them was tables, ladders, and chairs. They were an uh, an average tag team with a great look. Matt's the better talker, the better mind, as were Jeff's the better talent. Um, but for tables, ladders, and chairs, that made them guys. But they were awesome to be in the ring with, and you know they were, you know they were extreme before. And you know the the uh, what do they call it? The um, what does TNA call it? Uh, the X division, yeah, they were the yeah. X division way before there was anything. There was anything talking about it. So, as far as just the talent, those guys, we knew they were always going to have it because they just had that look about them. And they've been good friends of mine for a long time. And you know, everybody says that you know Matt's the better mind, just the better worker. And between them, <laughs> it makes a great tag team. So, um, what do you think of uh, the Willow the the Willow the Wisp gimmick that? Um, Jeff Hardy did in the Omega. The, the Matt Hardy, I mean, excuse me, the Jeff Hardy you see now is Will of the Wisp. Before Jeff uh, became got all his WWE success, when he come out as Jeff Hardy, it was like watching Dean Malenko walk to the ring, no expression, no nothing. But he get under that Will of the Wisp character, and it was like, I think he actually snorted cocaine or something for him, but don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, no, Jeff never did anything like that back then, but. Um, he was a different person. It was it was amazing to see how he you could go from no charisma at all to this guy that was just over the top and just you would just sit there and watch him and be in amazement. You know, we get he'd get curtain calls for Willow Wisp from the boys just to see him, just the crazy things he would do. But what you see now as Jeff Hardy with how he comes out and dances, that's Willow the Wisp. All right. Um, well, we're out of time, CW. Your your hour's up. Wow, that's a quick hour. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a chance to plug whatever you need to get plugged. Do you have a website out there, uh, or I, just your I MySpace? Took, it's just my MySpace. I took my website down. I was like, hell, I get it on MySpace for free. Why pay for it? Uh, so it's, it's it MySpace.com/slash/CWAnderson. Anybody that writes to me, 99 times out of 100, I write them back. I'm I'm still the same person I you know I was when I was a little kid. I haven't changed a bit. Well, CW, this hour's just blown by. Um, next time we have you on, we're going to have you for a two, full two hours. <laughs> That'd be great. Because, uh, I'm pretty sure you could probably go five. Yeah, I told you I could talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you for your time, brother. I really appreciate having you on. It was, uh, you know, we just scratched the surface. Uh, yeah, anytime, guys. Anytime you want to know more, you know, like I told you, I don't care if anything since I'm my retirement. But even when I wasn't retired. I still talk about anything because everybody needs to know, and I've done it, so why don't, you know, I'll tell it. Cool. Um, maybe we'll uh, – looks like we'll, we'll try to get you booked either the last week of January or the first week of February. I'll be around. So, you have the number. All right, brother. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you soon. Take care, guys. See you. All right. Now, Alex, that was an interview. Wow. Uh, what <laughs> – Wow, that's, uh, that's going to be hard to follow up. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Well, what I'm going to do is uh, I got to pay the bills, dude. So I'm going to play a quick commercial. And um, we're waiting for Mr. Jackson to call back uh, while CW was on. Um, Mr. Jackson called in. So we'll uh, wait for him to call back. But I'm going to play a new commercial for our new sponsor.
And now, a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for action figures, pro wrestling books, pro wrestling gear, <coughs> title belts, music CDs, t-shirts, replica belts, wrestling DVDs, wrestling masks, wrestling rings? If so, please visit WrestleWarehouse.com. WrestleWarehouse will be able to help you with all of your pro wrestling needs and make sure that you tell them that KZ from RubberGuard Radio sent you. Are you looking for hard-hitting, high-flying, independent pro wrestling action? If so, your search is over. The superstars of Elite Pro Wrestling will give you just that. Elite Pro is proud to present Elite TV, which airs at 10 p.m. Central Time, Friday nights, 30 minutes, on Comcast Cable Channel 19 in the Chicagoland area. Elite TV also streams live on their website, www.eliteprowrestling.com, at 10 p.m. Central Time on Fridays. This show gets the stamp of approval from the Rubber Guard Radio crew, and I strongly suggest you go out and support superstars of Elite Pro Wrestling. Wow. Audio levels on that one are pretty messed up. I'm going to have to redo that commercial for the Thomas Sutleys. But, you know, it's it's a free plug. So, Yes, we do have a new sponsor on the show. Uh, it's WrestleWarehouse.com. Um, they've got a pretty neat selection of DVDs, a bunch of T-shirts, uh, lucha masks, and whatnot. Um, the owner of the company is a friend of the show, uh, Jeff Dino, who also owns SoCal Pro Wrestling. Uh, who had a successful show this past uh, weekend? Um, <clears throat> how was that show, Alex? Oh, it was a, it was a phenomenal show, as uh, SoCal Pro Wrestling has been known to put on at uh, San Diego. Um, the main event was Adam Pearce against SoCal Crazy, and uh, Adam Pearce and SoCal Crazy they uh, they brought <laughs> honestly uh, a lot of the new wave pro wrestling wrestlers were in attendance, and we were kind of worried that he threw it all out there for Pierce and maybe he doesn't have anything left for Chaos this Saturday. But uh, um, when the DVD comes out, it will be available on WrestleWarehouse.com. I suggest you go and get that along with uh, the older DVDs that uh, SoCal Pro has put out. And uh, it was just a phenomenal show top to bottom. And then I believe we're going to have Jeff on next week and we can do a full rundown of the show. So I don't want to say too much. It's still a thunder, but it was an amazing, amazing show that I think definitely everyone should check out. Oh, okay. So I guess we are booking Jeff Dino next week. Uh, yeah. I thought that was the plan. Okay. The, the, hey, you let me know, boss man. You're the you're the runner. I thought we were gonna do a uh, new wave SoCal Pro next week. <laughs> of course we are. Of course we are. Of course. But uh, also next week we will have um, Midwest Independent Star Mitch Ryder on the show as well um, to discuss uh, Chikara, um why he doesn't like those, uh, what are they called? What does he call them? Huchadors? Huchadors. All right. I do have Matt Jackson of the Young Bucks on the line. What's going on, Matt, bro? how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Not bad. Welcome to Rubber Guard Radio. I'm on the other line with my co-host and cohort in crime, Alex Saint. Say hi, Alex. What's going on? You got a tough interview to follow, man. CW is pretty awesome, but... uh. I know you got a lot of good stuff to say, so. Dude, I'm on your MySpace page right now, Alex Saint. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find out who I'm talking to right now. I'm looking at uh, <laughs> some background information, seeing what's up. 
Well, I'm doing the same thing to you right now. I'm trying to find a match listing on you, but uh can't seem to find one. But I've seen some of your work with PWG and other promotions, so I'll be able to shoot for you right. a little bit. All right, let's just let's just get to the big news. How how were your matches this past weekend for Gorilla? Uh, Nick and I are really proud of them. Uh, we think that the English barrier was going to be kind of scary, you know, preparing a match with guys from uh, Japan, but it went really well. The guys are great, uh, fastest guys I've ever personally been in the ring with, but <laughs> very intimidating. But once we got out there, it really uh, came, you know, into place, and I think. You know, I was really proud of it. I think it turned out really good. And then I think we even had a better match the second night against uh, Jimmy Jacobs and Tyler Black, who are big fans of. Uh, I think our styles meshed a lot lot better with those guys. But uh, I really liked, you know, the Dragon Gate guys, too. I think they were incredible. And we're hoping to work with them in the future, maybe out there sometime. But uh, Yeah, not in the country, hopefully. <laughs> oh, yeah, hopefully out there. But uh, and maybe out here, I heard about them. Coming to LA possibly, which is a huge deal. Everybody's talking about it right now. So, but yeah, when Nick and I are definitely psyched. So, when did you find out you were going to work with uh, Naruki Doi and uh, Yoshino, and then uh, how did you prepare for the match? Uh, good friends with Joey Ryan, and he let us know. Oh, man, I think a couple weeks before it was announced on the internet, and you know we were like, wow, you know, it was a big, pretty big shocker because it's going to obviously be one of our bigger matches. And immediately we started, you know, getting YouTube, searching their names and stuff, because I was familiar with their work, but I just wanted to learn their movesets and try to learn a few things about them. And so we, we, we studied a lot, uh, him and I, and also we, you know, we hit the gym, man, I'd say six days a week, got the cardio up, because we wanted to make sure we can keep up with these guys. <laughs> but uh <laughs> It was a good, you know, solid at least six weeks of heavy uh, training and, and studying. And uh, I, I, like I said, I, we like how it, it turned out. Um, I think it was a lot of nerves uh, in the match, too. We were kind of, you know, uh, stressed out a little bit because they got there late. And it was just it was one of those one of those things, you know, but it came together. It, it really did. And we we're proud of it. And we're hoping to work with them in the future. And I think they were pretty high on us. And. We talked to Seema back there, and he was he was super cool. And all those guys are just a class act. They're just the uh, most respectful guys you'll ever meet. And we're hoping to maybe go out there in the, in the near future. So, how did uh, you you begin working with Pro Wrestling Gorilla? And then how, how did you get started? Well, let, let, let's just get started with uh, how did you get started in the business? In the business, um, I actually started out uh, when I was really young. I did gymnastics because my sister was a uh, like a gymnastics coach, so I uh, got a background in that, and I did some karate, so I was always pretty athletic, and then, of course, uh, like most uh, professional wrestlers, messed around with the friends, you know, uh, in the yard, and did some of that, and finally, I remember I was at uh, the Anaheim Marketplace about, man, six years ago, probably, uh, I used to watch the, the local indie shows out there, and I met uh, a couple of guys, uh, Little Cholo, Martin, a couple of Chippy Sanchez, a couple of those guys, and Fernell. And uh, I remember they took me into the ring and just showed me a few things. And I would just go there and you know train with them a little bit. And finally, someone from Revolution Pro, uh, what's his name? They called him Ryan Merch. He uh, he did the merchandise for Revolution Pro. He caught a glimpse of me doing a few uh, moves off the top rope really impressed so he got my contact information because he thought maybe you know red pro can use a guy like me so uh called me up that night told me about revolution pros uh training at the, the rudos dojo and 
I was there literally the next day, <laughs> went out there with a couple of the guys. Uh, ironically, my brother didn't go with me yet. He was really young because I'm actually a few years older than him. People get that mistaken. I'm, I'm 22, and he's only 18. So went out there with a couple of my buddies who were also kind of, you know, doing the thing at the marketplace, kind of just learning moves and stuff. And uh, we went there and uh, learned what professional wrestling was all about, uh, kind of – uh, you know, I kind of came in uh, kind of cocky, and uh, I, that shirt changed immediately, you know, when I, I learned how hard a real ring feels like and what it's like to be in the ring with actual professional wrestlers, you know, and not just guys training me, people actually, you know, <laughs> giving me nice shots to the face and taking forearms and coming home with chop marks. And I uh, did that for about a year and a half, and then I, I stopped going for a little while, uh, kind of off and on. And then I, then I went again for like another year, year and a half straight, and uh, finally started getting booked under a hood. Um, a lot of people don't aren't aware that I actually started under um, a hood. That, what did they give me? Ron Rivera gave me this strange gimmick. Uh, I was like, a, I was Fluffy the dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, had a, I had a tail and everything. I looked like an actual dog. I went out and did that for a couple of shows, and uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but... Uh, Eventually, uh, my brother would come to training with with me too, along with a couple other guys. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Southern California scene, but uh, the Cutler brothers uh, they also trained with us. Uh, they worked. Uh, one of them worked under a hood for a while, and we were kind of a, the last class of uh, the Revolution Pro School. Actually, uh, we were like the class after um, Chris Bosch and Quicksilver and uh, Scorpio Sky. You know, we were like probably the last class to come out of there, and. Um, just went there. I think we all trained at least two years and finally started getting booked at some of uh, the local shows, the free shows at the the parks and stuff like that. Ron had connections with with plenty of places, you know. He worked at boys and uh, girls uh, clubs and stuff like that. So got a couple of those shows. None of them were really legit paint shows, though, so we didn't really feel like we were professional wrestlers at the time yet, you know. Mm-hmm. But I uh, worked under the hood for a while under Fluffy the Dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dustin Cutler was actually my my keeper. That was like his gimmick. <laughs> he came out like basically like I was like on a leash. Basically, it was a real cartoonish type gimmick. You know, it was kind of a joke. Ron liked to do that over extreme lucha stuff, kind of what like Takara does nowadays. But uh, uh, so we did that for a while, and eventually, uh, my brother and I uh, started doing our own thing. And it's been about three years now. We've been a tag team. And uh, the rest is pretty much history. <laughs> and so uh, after the, the Revolution Pro stuff, how, how long after that before HRW started? HRW started, I'm trying to think, this October, I think, was the third year anniversary, I wanted to say. So, man, I would, I would say that I think it started in 2004 of October, I want to say. Uh, we started out with just a bunch of local guys out here. I live in Hesperia. Um, it's like the high desert area where Apple Valley and Victorville meets. It's kind of like the pissed off of Vegas. That's what everybody likes to call it. Yeah. And um, we we found a local skating center that was interested in hosting, you know, the type of events for really cheap. And uh, a lot of my my uh, my friends and my, my brothers, I actually have a younger brother too. I don't know if anybody's aware of that. Uh, his name's Malachi. He's, uh, how old is he now? I think he's 17. He's been uh, wrestling with us too uh, recently. We did a couple shows uh, with the Epic 
Pro Wrestling War show, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, but he's he's awesome. He's going to be another good guy. I think he'll come out and have a good year in 2008. But uh, he was he wrestled with us. Uh, obviously, Nick wrestled uh, the Cutlers, another two guys that live out here that are local. Uh, Sexy Sunny Sampson from EWF fame. I know you guys probably know him. He uh, he's another guy that lives out here in Apple Valley. He's we all kind of started this group. Uh, in 2004, we all put our minds and our money together, and we, we bought the ring, and we uh, we booked a couple of the guys that we also trained with uh, in La Mirada at the, the Rudos Dojos. Had a couple, I think the first guys we had was our good friend, uh, Phoenix Star. He was like the, one of the first guys that helped us out, too, and uh, a couple others, but uh, primarily, it wasn't a large roster. I think the first show we had, like, I want to say we had four matches or something, and I think I think my brother Nick had to pull double duty too. So <laughs> that goes to show you know what kind of a show it was, and we didn't really want to uh, advertise everywhere and you know show everybody what we were all about because we didn't feel like we were ready at that point. We were kind of we didn't want the attention. I would say I, I guess. Uh, so we did a couple of shows, and I mean somehow we drew in some pretty good crowds you know the first couple of shows and we're like wow maybe we could actually you know do this for real you know so we just we put our minds together and we started you know trying to get a roster together we even opened up a school out here uh started getting our own students in and uh started bringing local guys out from the southern california region it start, things started booming we, were, we at one point we were doing uh man i think we two shows a, a month for a while and uh, the fans out here were just great because there's nothing out here. You know, it's kind of a small, small area, and there's not much going on. And uh, the people dug it, you know, and we just we loved it. And at the time, uh, this was before Nick and I really were getting a lot of, a lot of work outside of, uh, you know, HRW. We, we just put all of our main focus into HRW. And then uh, I guess word started getting, you know, catching on, and people started hearing about it, and the Internet started uh, giving us – results on their pages and people started going, well, what's this HRW thing, you know? And it was kind of like, uh, I think uh, I had a guy named uh, Johnny Paradise work for me. He said it best. He said HRW was kind of like the, the secluded island that nobody knew about, like the, the, the small territory, you know, that nobody knew about because literally wrestlers, they heard about it. It was like this big, you know, kept secret, you know. Uh, but finally, word started getting out and I start, we started booking – uh, pretty much everybody, and then it just became kind of another fed, you know, and it, uh, it kind of lost its, its, its fun for me, and uh, Nick and I got a lot, a lot more busier, and just, as things progressed, it got a lot harder to run, so uh, you guys probably noticed our last show, I think it was August, and uh, I could probably talk about this later, but we're, we're actually coming back uh, for, in February, we're talking about February 23rd, possibly, I know uh, a couple other places are doing a show the same day, so we might have to change it. But that's the day we're looking at right now. We're thinking about coming back and running uh, every month again, you know? So we'll see what happens. Hey, Matt? Yep. Matt, I have a caller on the line that I do need to take, so... Go for it, man. Carl, are you still... Yes, sir. Uh, yes, even though my voice is shot, but I'm... I'm Taro. <laughs> I just listened oh, to Taro's interview, actually. Alive. <laughs> so how was your weekend, brother? Oh, God, except for about 15, 20 minutes of last night, it was pretty good. Awesome. I have uh, I have Matt Jackson of the Young Bucks on the line. I did hear him on the line while I was on the How are you doing, Matt? How are you feeling? I'm very good. How are you, man? You okay? I'm all right. It's hurting. It's hurting. You saw me backstage. You knew I was doing good. Yeah, yeah. 
I you got a pretty you guys good beating good this weekend. I thought you guys. Oh, I appreciate that, match, man. Your match on Saturday, that was good stuff. Good stuff, guys. That was good. good. Oh, we appreciate so, that, man. You look good out are, there too. Are you, yeah. are you enjoying your um, your study break there, Taro? Well, I'm actually on the way home. I'm literally riding the bus home from school right now. <laughs> oh, so it's funny. I'm on the public bus right now, just you know, making this phone call. I said I call, so I'm a man of my word. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> Thanks for uh, checking in. We just wanted to make sure that you were alive. So, Yeah, I am alive. Uh, yeah, I'm so, a lot of people thought he was paralyzed, actually, after he left. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I heard well, come on. Rough, but. Yeah, it's all right. I'm alive, and like I said, my voice is shot. I'm so all over. Otherwise, I'm okay. All right, dude. Well, thank you for t- for touching base, base with us. Uh, no problem. You, we'll get you booked in the very near future. All right, thank you. I'll talk to you there. All right, thanks, bro. Have a good Bye one, Daro. Bye-bye. All right, later, man. Bye. Later, man. That All right, poor guy. Alex, <laughs> that was our surprise guest. Oh, I'm happy to, I'm happy to see he's alive, bro. That was a brutal match. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you, none of you guys were there? You guys didn't get to see it? No. No, um, I had a friend that had to set up a ring for a Lucha show uh, last yeah. minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he... Yeah, <laughs> Took a nasty fall at the end. I think he said he was okay, but it looked pretty bad, and a lot of the, a lot of the boys were cringing. You know, they thought he might have been really hurt, but uh, thank God he's okay. So that's good. Thank God. Okay, so uh, you started getting more bookings, and then uh, first, before we get into your pro wrestling gorilla stuff, I I'm trying to find the results, but I can't. But uh, you worked for a good friend of mine, uh, Jeff at SoCal Pro, and you worked the Ballard Brothers. So I would like to yeah. know that I see results a lot at AWS, and you work the Ballers a lot, and you just had that big uh, cage ladders match with them. So was that uh, at SoCal Pro, was that the first time you worked the Ballers? And then how did you feel after that match? Yeah, um, that was the first time I ever uh, stepped foot in the ring with the Ballard brothers. I met them a few months before that, I think at an APW show up in Bakersfield. And I've I've heard so much about the guys, and I've seen video and they were actually a, a tag team that uh, my brother and I looked up to big time. You know, we, we always respected it. I th- we went to a couple of uh, the UPW shows, and we were always huge marks for the Ballards. Like, we love those guys. And, and it was a real honor when uh, Jeff uh, called me and told me we'd, we'd be working them. just real psyched about it, you know. So uh, we, we go out there, and um, we had a great match with them. They are just phenomenal. Like, just like uh, the match I was talking about this weekend, just how Styles meshes, just it was just another one of those. You know, it's just our styles just mesh so well, and I, I think it has a lot to do with them being brothers too. And Nick and I, you know, we're we're real brothers in real life, so it, it, it's just always different when you're working with brother on brother. You know, it, it's there's something different about it. And um, so we had the match, and I knew something special about it. Like it was, it was really good. We thought we thought it was awesome, one of our best instantly. And afterward, we were just on a on a definite high. We were just like, wow, you know, that was really cool. We're gonna have to get this, you know, this match uh, going other places, you know, not just out here. So uh, that's when we started uh, making a couple phone calls, trying to get it around to maybe try it out at AWS, and, uh, and it's just been awesome, you know, uh, working with them. Nick and I say that they're probably our favorite team in the world to work right now. They're just amazing, amazing guys. They're just the coolest guys in the world too. We. Uh, the last couple of shows we had at HW, we actually booked them. And I always joke to them about why I book them. I book them just because I want to have them backstage so I can hang out with them. You know, like, <laughs> I'll pay I'll pay the Ballers to come over to my house just to eat dinner with me. That's how cool the guys are. You know, they're just the funniest guys in the world. My fiance uh, Dana just, just loves them. You know, she she wears their T-shirt to bed. You know, 
Yeah, but we were, but definitely, yeah, we we were just thrilled uh, after the match. And man, I think after that we've wrestled them. Oh, I can't even tell you. In 2007, we must have wrestled them at least 20 times. You know, I don't even know. Maybe something around that 15, 20. I don't know. Okay, and so uh, entering now into the the PWG phase. Uh, to be honest, uh, I live in San Diego, so uh-huh. I did make the the drives up. So I'm I'm very familiar with your PWG work, except for okay. the previous weekend show. But uh, your first show was uh, Roger Dorn night, June 10, 2007. And then you yeah. had a match against what's probably my favorite tag team, uh, Arrogance of Chris Bosch and Scott Loss. I would like mm-hmm. to know how, uh, because that was your debut match in the company, how do you feel you got over and how the match go? Um, oh, the whole thing was just so nerve-wracking because um, Nick and I, we really, we were just fighting for about a year, and year and a half to just get into PWG. We wanted it so bad. We were just trying to impress, you know, the, the people there who run it. And finally we got the call and we were just so psyched. And, uh, we had a million ideas. So we get to the show, uh, super early. Like I, I think I recall we got there. Like, I think we were the first ones there. I think before even the ring crew, I think we were there before the, even the ring was up. And, uh, there was no sign of anybody. I mean, we were just, we were kind of like, you know, like looking around, like, what is, you know, I hope the show's today. You know, I, I think I even checked on my BlackBerry to make sure it was, we were at the right place at the right time, you know. So finally, people started showing up, and uh, the more people show up, we we hear that Chris and Scott are nowhere, you know, to be found. They're, I, I think they were coming out from the East Coast somewhere. I, I think they said Philadelphia. They had like a long draining uh, weekend somewhere. And their flight, got, they got a delay. So uh, they told us right away that they were going to be late and they weren't going to be arriving until, like, the middle of the show. And our, our match was supposed to be really early on in the show where it should have been, but it ended up having to be, like, like the seventh match in the show or semi-main or something. I think we went right after Joey and Tyler Black. Uh, so the whole time, Nick and I are just in our, you know, in our gear, just pacing back and forth because this is our first big debut match. You know, we want to have a great match. and. Our, uh, our opponents still aren't there, you know, and we're just we're uh, we're just dying, you know. <laughs> it's just I think I lost like you know five years of my life that day. Finally, uh, I get a call from Scott. He just their plane just landed, and it's literally intermission, and they still hadn't gotten to the show, you know. So uh, Scott calls me, and right there we go over a little, a couple of things, and and uh, they get there. They while they're getting dressed, we're talking, and then we literally had. And I'm not kidding. People exaggerate about you know time, but I'm not kidding. We probably had six to seven minutes just to talk a little bit while they got there. So we literally went out there on pretty much nothing, <laughs> and uh, so it was just really stressful, you know. So, but we went out there, and uh, you know, uh, Nick and I were a little hesitant. We were thinking, you know, we kind of got a, a, a strange act, you know. We're, we're brothers. We come out to this, this own bop, and we're a little bit different. We don't know what the crowd's going to think, and. PWG fans, you know, sometimes different. They're criticized for being, you know, harsh sometimes, you know. So we're, we're scared about that too, you know. So we go out there and and uh, they actually take to us. And I remember people clapping and you know singing on pop with us, and it was really weird. We're like, wow, you know, maybe they like like maybe they like us. And then uh, Scott and Chris went out there, and then uh, we had a, you know, I thought we had a really good match. I thought it was a strong debut. I, I don't think we did too much, but I don't think we did too little. Um, and then ironically, it, I think it ended up being. Correct me if I'm wrong. Chris Bosch's last match, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Chris Bosch. Unfortunately, it was Chris Bosch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's um, definitely one of my favorites. Oh yeah, it sucks. I love Chris. He's awesome. I, I only had a chance to wrestle him, I think, one other time at a Hybrid Pro in uh, Culver City, like a year before that. 
but yeah, I mean, we, we loved the match and uh, we were just hoping that everybody else liked it and it sounded like it did. And uh, we're just so happy that we, that we got over and uh, you know, we couldn't be more happy. We're, we're glad that there's a territory like Southern California and a, a place like PWG that we can showcase our talent. You know, we're just, we're extremely satisfied with that. Okay. And then, uh, there was the fourth anniversary show where you worked with TJ Perkins against Scott Lost. Yep. Uh, well, supposed to be Chris Bosch, but it ended up being Bino Gambino and Carl Anderson. I want to skip forward to BOLA because uh, the memory I always have of the 2007 BOLA is not only the two Alex Shelley, I mean the, the three Alex Shelley matches that he had that were just phenomenal, but yeah. uh, the, the heat. Now, do you, do you uh, care to talk any about the weather that was Southern California that weekend? Oh, wow, man. Uh, <laughs> just miserable. Uh, it was it was very difficult just to be alive, let alone having to go out and, and perform. Because uh, just it's just the worst the worst weather is when it's like super sticky and humid, you know. And that's what exactly what it was in that building. I think it was even warmer in the building than it was outside, you know. And, yeah. Oh, uh, just just being backstage with all the body heat, it, it was it was it was rough. Um, and it did take an effect. In the matches, I remember a lot of the guys seeing how much you know more blown up they they got you know than they usually would. Um, I know for myself, uh, Nick and I said I, to this day I would say that was probably the worst I've ever felt after a match. Like I, I couldn't catch my breath till like like uh, like two hours after the match. Like I had to lie down, put some like ice on my face. Like Nick splashing water on me. You know, it was it was tough, and I I don't know how. Uh, guys like Shelly, they did it you know, three times that weekend. Generico, the man's insane. You know how he goes. It's, it's, these guys are just in great shape. Like I have so much respect for those guys that can wrestle multiple times over a, a hot weekend like that. It's just, just ridiculous. <laughs> That's all I can say. It was, it was, but yeah, it was rough. It was definitely rough. Now uh, I want to skip forward again to a match that I feel doesn't get enough credit. Uh, definitely here in. Southern California with the, the SoCal Uncensored uh, polls that are out now. Uh, the tag team match that I believe you had either in January or February uh, with Joey Ryan and Scott Moss. Uh, how do you feel that match went? Because uh, it was a phenomenal match. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Um, I loved it. I, I thought it was awesome. Um, Nick and I, and I have had the honor to work uh, Scott and Joey many times, so the, the chemistry is just there. Like, uh, I put them right up there with the Ballers, you know, in terms of just uh, in-ring chemistry because just everything we do with those guys usually is, is great. And I, I thought that was probably our, our best match with, uh, with them. Um, I'm trying to recall some of the stuff we did. Uh, I remember it was really good. I remember Joey really, really had his working boots on that night. <laughs> we, we got backstage uh, that night, and I just commented on that, and he just laughed. It's funny. There's like a there's uh, an ex foundation Joey, the, the Joey that goes crazy and is like a workhorse, and then uh, and then the, the gimmick Joey when he had the title. You know, there's two different people. I think he's I think he's going more into the the Joey Ryan, you know, of X Foundation, where he's going out and putting on five star matches and stuff. Because I, I think people forgot about that, and maybe he's trying to you know let people remind you know remind that he's a, he's a good worker. He really is. He's unbelievable. And then everybody knows Scott's you know. I, in my honest opinion, I think Scott Lawson is the best wrestler in, in Southern California. I think he's amazing. And uh, just the four of us going out there, we had, we had a blast. It was just four good, really, really good friends going out there and having fun. You know, and, I, and thanks. I'm glad you liked it. I, it's one of my personal favorites. 
I have to say one of the, the bright spots in Pro Wrestling Gorilla this year among uh, all the fly-ins is that um, I feel that a lot of Southern California talent should be given more opportunities in Pro Wrestling Gorilla, and I'm just happy that a tag team like uh, your, you and your brother are having the opportunity to not only go out there and uh, hone your craft, but to have phenomenal matches. Because, like you said, I mean, I was there for the entire Joey Ryan title run, and he, <laughs> he did not all nights, you know, did he quote-unquote. I mean, he's an amazing worker, but he didn't go out there, you know, and uh, try to give the fans a, a quote-unquote five-star match. But definitely had his, work, had his working boots on for uh, that night for y'all, and I think it, it gave you a totally different dynamic that night that y'all were able to not only go in there. And did, did, do you remember if y'all won that match or no? I think I'm pretty sure they won us. I did beat us that night. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, the match doesn't even matter because I believe that the match really lets you guys over. You know, it's much more than what the, the result of the match did. Um, that was just a phenomenal match. So yeah. thanks. Now, um, I've been to two epic pro wrestling war shows, including the, the first, uh, the comeback show, and then uh-huh. I saw I don't remember which brother it was, but against Bo Cooper, and then y'all were the hill. Now, yeah. that's something I've never seen before. Is that something y'all regularly do, or and how that feel? Uh, it's it's something that we have done before. Um, that's one of the cool things about having your own company with HRW is, uh, you know, so much freedom. I, I booked myself as a heel for a good solid year and a half, so I was familiar with having, you know, how to work the, the crowd that way, how to perform that way. So... It wasn't anything too different. However, the last couple of years, Nick, I think Nick and I have really found our niche as the white, neat, babyface tag team. I think that's what we're best at. I think we're, the, we're best at you know, feeding to the audience, feeding off of the audience, and, and, and setting that babyface fire. So it's a little bit different. It's, it's, it's pretty much the entire opposite. You know? and, uh, I had fun, though. I mean, uh, Bo Cooper is another one of my uh, really good friends that we go, we go way back. Um, uh, I, I had a blast with him that night. Uh, he, he's fun to work with because he, he's still really fast for a guy who's his size. You know, he even tells me all the time, "Oh, I, you know, I, I love working smaller guys." Uh, he says he has his best matches with smaller guys, and um, that was another match I was really proud of. I, I thought it, I thought it was really good. I think uh, Bo did a really good job. At, I think it was, I think we told a really good story. Um, uh, that wasn't the one with the table, was it? That was a different one. I was going to comment on. There was another t- uh, match we had over there. And he threw me through a table. I was going to comment on how painful that was. But everything, everything in that singles match was really easy. That was that was a really easy, fun match. But uh, but yeah, the heel seems a little bit different. Uh, but it's it's something I like. I I think I could pull Nick and I could probably be really good heels someday. You know, if 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 that's what they want. But but like I said, I I don't know. There's something about being a, a baby face that we just completely dig. I, th- I think that's what we're best at. You know, I think, I think we're the most marketable as faces. So. And then uh, I, it was last weekend, at a, I believe, at the Pro Wrestling War Epic Show, that you all had a, another, in my opinion, underrated match uh, against the Suburban Commandos. And then I would like to know, is that the first ever time you all worked with Suburban Commandos? And then how do you feel that match went? Um, the Commandos... Actually, I think Nick and I have wrestled or worked with them a few years back. We used to travel a lot more than we we do now. We we uh, used to go up north to Supreme Pro Wrestling out there in uh, Sacramento, and I believe we've worked with them one time before. I'm not sure. I, I don't. We went there quite a few times. 
Um, but I knew of them, and we, we I know I've been in the ring with them. We've done some stuff. But uh, uh, last weekend, yeah, we did wrestle them, but I think we even wrestled them um, at an earlier epic show in a six-man tag with, yeah, that's right, it was Teddy Hart, it was me, Nick, Ted, and then I think it was the Commandos in there and with maybe Bo, and I think that's the match I got thrown through the table. I'm not sure. I don't <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so that was actually the second time um, I think we, we actually we worked at war. And I agree. I think those guys are completely underrated. I think they're really good workers. Uh, they've, they've got creative minds, I think, outside the box. I like the idea of uh, of trio teams. I think it's really cool having three guys and maybe switching off. I really mark out for the old – uh, nobody else really cared for the old demolition when Crush was in there, and they, you know they had three of them. I thought that was really cool. You know, uh, it's, it's a cool thing the to utilize. It, yeah, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, three birds. Um, and then it was really cool too. I like being in there with my youngest brother too. Adding him into the mix was just amazing because um, he's just as good as, as Nick and I. It's just he's young and he's still growing and he's, and he's learning. And I, I really think that one day he's, he's going to be phenomenal. So, I mean, I couldn't have had more fun, you know, anywhere else. I'd, uh, being in, in the ring with both of my brothers, you know, that's just that's an amazing thing. That's awesome, you know, being able to travel with them and talk to them and wrestle with them and then watch the match after and study with them and tell them, you know, what we got to work on. It's just the coolest, most fun thing I've ever done, I have to say. But, but yeah, and I, I, I definitely appreciate you, you saying that you like the match. We, we just went out there and had fun. It was a lot of, a lot of fun with those guys. I, I'm looking forward to maybe them getting more work out here. I think that they'd be a definite uh, addition, a positive to SoCal. Maybe they should come down here a little more often, you know. I, I definitely agree with you, and I was really surprised that uh, for two larger men, they were able to keep up with uh, you and your two other brothers. Now, oh, uh, they're fast. Yeah, they can go, man. Definitely. Now, I put you over, but uh, I need a Teddy Hart story. <laughs> Teddy Hart's a really nice guy, you know, and uh, I, I actually just, Nick and I just met him uh, the first time we worked with him, and he's really cool, he's, he, he's just so into the art, you know, he, he loves wrestling so much, um, he's constantly talking about gymnastics and, and whatnot, and so that's one thing we all have in common, every time we see him at a show, we're literally in the ring for two hours just doing gymnastics and just screwing around in there and having fun. And, uh, you know, I haven't really been on the road with him or anything. I don't, I don't have any really fun road stories or anything, but uh, I, we've had dinner with him a few times, and he's told us a few good stories. But um, the guy's just a class act. Like, I, I love hanging out with someone that has the last name of Hart. Like, that alone is, is a mark-out moment for me, you know, because <laughs> Bret Hart was, like, my all-time favorite wrestler growing up. So then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm hanging out with Hart's nephew or whatever, you know, that's crazy. This is insane. So, um, I don't know. I haven't really even known him long enough to have a, a really cool story yet, you know. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll probably uh, have a couple of stories in the future because uh, we're planning on making a trip out there to, to the New Heart, uh, I think it's called the New Heart uh, Dungeon or the New Heart School. We're going to go out there and help them uh, teach out in uh, Canada. I think in the next couple of months, we're planning on making a little trip out there and hanging out with him and stuff and getting to know him a little bit more. But, but, uh, but all I can say is there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of negative uh, publicity on the guy. And, you know, I, all I can say he's he's been really really cool, and I find him to be extremely humble. Like for a guy who's so talented, he he comes across as very humble. I mean, he, it seems like every time you talk to him, even on the telephone, he's. He's delivering a shoot interview, 
But I mean, but it's it's cool though, you know. Like I don't have a problem with that. I like Ted. I I, I respect him too. I think he's extremely gifted. I think he's athletic, um, and I think he's he's good for business when he's when he's controlled. You know, sometimes he likes to uh, to take it to the the limit and make people think. You know, oh, wait, what, what's going on? Is this real? But you know, I, I think he's a good guy. I really do, I, and I like Ted. So now speaking of markout moments. Um, Judging by your guys' gear, uh, you were clearly Rocker fans coming up. So how oh, was it man. being able to have a trios match with Marty Jannetty on your team? Oh, it was awesome. Um, yeah, Nick and I loved watching the Rockers when we were younger, you know. And even to this day, I mean, I, I think I might be one of the few people in the world that has a 12-disc uh, bootleg Best of Rockers DVD set. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, that's where we obviously got the inspiration. And also... Um, big Hardy Boy fans. I remember watching the Hardys when they were just shotgun Saturday night jobbers with their with their gear, or when they used to wrestle on jacked, you know. And they kind of had a similar style. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought I thought if they would have ran with it, could even did something like it, you know, similar. And I just thought maybe we should do that, you know. But um, but yeah, working with with Marty was amazing, you know. And uh, he's such a cool guy. Picked him up and instantly, you know, felt like you knew him forever. You know, I, I thought I've, I've known him for years. You know, he's telling me all these stories about him and Sean back in the day. It's just really cool. And then we uh, we went out there. And it was just it was just real fun. He, he, uh, he's one of those guys, he just talks a lot, even on the apron. You know, he's, he's putting you over on the apron. That was a really good movie you just did. You know, he just, he just, he makes you feel good in the ring, you know, and um, real positive energy. And I, I really model myself off of, of him and Sean, and um, it, it was one of those things, like you, when you're when you're a child and and you you watch your hero, and you know, and it's, it's just crazy because then you see yourself in the ring with him. It's like, who gets to say that? Like, what what kid watches my, Michael Jordan on TV when he's a kid and he's you know on the court with with Michael Jordan? You know, it's so rare to do. So that alone is a huge markout moment, like you said. And then I had a huge markout moment uh, earlier, um, a couple, I think it was like three months ago. I got a stunt kick for Shawn Michaels at a Royal Rumble commercial for the, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys have seen it, uh, the, the new Royal Rumble commercial that they aired with the, all the wrestlers in the subway and Michael Buffer takes a super kick. That was actually oh, no. my leg. Uh, yeah, that's a markout moment right there. My leg. I got to wear Shawn Michaels gear. <laughs> so, so someone made a, uh, I think it was Vanderpile. He made a joke. He said, well, man, you're, you're more of a rocker than uh, El Snow ever was. You got to team up with, Marty Jannetty, and you get this stunt kick for Shawn Michaels. <laughs> but I thought it was, that, that was another huge markout moment I had uh, early this year. I thought I'd get that in there. <laughs> Since uh, I, I'm training down here at uh, New Wave Pro Wrestling, I went to an EWF show, and then I saw a, a kid wearing uh, Young Bucks gear, but uh, I come to find out he's one of your students and Stephen Andrews. I'm wondering who's looking huh. real good at the school and then who has the potential to, to break out and kind of follow the path that you all set. Um. Steven's a good kid. Uh, he, he's been training with us for, I think, it's, it's at least over two years now. And he's a very fast learner. As soon as we saw the kid, we knew he had potential. Um, so we took him under our wing, and we, we trained him for a good while, and we gave him a couple matches uh, at HRW after, I think, it was about a year and a half of hard training, like every day, you know, out here. And um, we just think he has uh, just so much potential. Um, we gave him... 
I think I think the show you're talking about is the one. Uh, it, was, it was the other day, the Toys for Tots show. Is that what you're talking about? It was about? The, the the double shot at the opera. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nick worked that one. I think he worked Marcus yeah. Riot. Okay. Um, yeah. I think I think that whole thing was he he forgot his gear or something and he needed some gear. So so my brothers, you know, yeah, take take this gear, you know. I think that's what that was all about. I think usually he wears some pleather baggier pants, but uh. But yeah, Steve's got, like I said earlier, a ton of potential. I think, I would say in a few years from now, he, he'll be one of the one of the guys that you'll you know you'll see on the internet and you'll be hearing a lot of people talking about him. And then uh, another one of the kids, obviously my youngest brother, like I was saying earlier, Mal uh, C.K. Jackson. I think I think he's going to be amazing. Um, the Cutler brothers are another tag team duel that I, I think is extremely underutilized, and I think they're awesome. Um, I could see them having some really good matches with us in the future, and maybe even the Battlers. I think they could do some really good stuff with them. I'd like to see the Commandos maybe come out to AWS and do some stuff with the, the, the Cutlers. I think they could have some phenomenal matches. You know, uh, Maybe in a few years, maybe a year, I could see the Cutlers maybe in PWG. You know, I, I think they got a ton of potential. So, but uh, school-wise, it's kind of been slow because um, my my schedule's been extremely crazy and hectic usually because uh, we we usually train a couple times a week. It's been really tough to do that. So I'm actually I haven't taken any students in uh, a while. I think it's been at least six months. So oh wow, yeah. So we we do hit the ring. Uh, you know, like I'm in there every day, but it's just it's so hard to start from scratch. But uh, when we start back up in February, we're talking about starting the whole thing over and just boom, going at it like crazy, you know, starting school up, starting wrestling again. So, uh, if that's what God wants, I guess that's what we're going to do. So. Okay, and then speaking of your hectic and busy schedule, it looks like uh, the NWA is about to start a hectic, uh, hectic and busy schedule. And it looks like y'all are a lot on a lot of those shows. So uh, how do you feel about the... The, the rebirth, I guess you could. Well, not really the rebirth. I think Dave Marquez get mad at me if he heard me say that. He told he told me it never died. <laughs> well, I don't want you. First of all, I don't, I don't want you guys to think that uh, I'm busy from just wrestling because I barely I'm, I'm barely wrestling twice a week and that's nothing. Uh, I also have a normal job and stuff like that, so that's why I'm busy. So I don't want people other wrestlers on here going, "Oh, Matt thinks he's so busy with his crazy schedule." <laughs> I, I wish I was wrestling every day and getting paid for it. You know what I mean? But uh. Um, but yeah, we're excited about um, the whole Colors TV thing. I think it starts on the, I want to say the 16th or 17th. I don't know. I, 18th. I saw it, 18th, okay. Thought okay. I saw a press release. Um, we're real excited about that, and uh, we're actually going out there and doing the yeah the the first couple of weeks of TV uh, tapings out in Vegas, the the Plaza Hotel. Uh, that should be real really cool. I don't know exactly what we're doing yet, but. Um, they gave us a couple of the dates, and I, I, you know, I think this thing could really take off. I think it's cool that NWA's finally found itself on uh, on TV again. I, I think it's 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 hard to get wrestling on television. You know, it, it's not as popular as it used to be. So, I mean, I, Dave Marquez is a great guy. He's an entrepreneur. I I, I, tr- I trust him with my money. I think you know, I, I think he's going to get onto something here. So you never know. I I definitely uh, check it out. It might it might be a good product. You know. Have you had the opportunity to go on any of the the foreign tours that the NWA has been on? I know they have shows in Australia. I haven't uh, been uh, anywhere else. I, I I've done a few of the the shows they've done, you know, in the states. Uh, mm-hmm. We've we've done Vegas, Arizona. Um, 
I think we did a, oh yeah, Nick and I went out to Hidalgo, Texas, uh, I think like six months back. They haven't taken us uh, there yet. Um, you never know. We'll definitely, you know, if they, if they give us the call, we'll be there. You know, we'd love to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, an, an, I won't name this promoter, but uh, I think you'll be able to tell who it was. I just got a PM saying, are you excited about returning to SoCal Pro? Um, because I guess you're booked on the next February 5th show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's February 9th, actually. February 9th, my bad. February yeah. 9th. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I'm super psyched about that. Um, I, I think I'm working – yeah, Kid Crazy. I saw a couple of his his videos on YouTube trying to get an idea of what he's like. He looks extremely good, and I think that we can have a really cool match. He looks pretty agile, and and let's face it, I'm a spotty wrestler, and he looks uh, <laughs> like he could do some cool things too, so I think we could have some fun out there. Um but yeah, we worked we worked the first couple of shows uh, for SoCal Pro, and I, I found the crowd to be just so fun to work. They're really easy. Uh, they, they react to a lot of a lot of things, and they do it in a positive manner. So I mean, you know, you can't beat that. You know, so I'm I'm definitely psyched to that. To, hopefully, that answers Jeff's question. I think that's probably the guy who uh, asked you. <laughs> um, that's the boss. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Okay, well, while, 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 we, while we have a break in the action, I'm going to have to plug my sponsor once again, since Chris is listening. WrestleWarehouse.com. Check it out. Sorry about that. Had to pay the bills again. <laughs> Jeff is also I, I, my sponsor, so. Hey, there you go. You know, if, if he helps pay the bills, there you go. I like Russell Warehouse. I've actually been on the website. It's actually really nice. I've seen a couple of DVDs. I haven't really bought anything yet. but. <laughs> well, come on now. <laughs> I should get the wrestler discount. I don't know if there's like a certain discount coupon code I can type in there. I don't know. <laughs> I have to say I saw the I saw the kid crazy videos too, and it was, it was the first thing that stuck out to me is he has one video, uh, the first video, which is him doing a lot of stuff, and the second video is him taking a lot of stuff. And I I thought that's a good video to introduce to people because not only can you do a lot of spots, but you can take a lot of stuff yeah, too. And I thought that was interesting. <laughs> That's interesting for someone to put someone. It's like a video of them getting their butt kicked. I think that's funny. You know, so a lot of guys don't want to do that. They're like, I don't want to put myself down in my video. Yeah, I think it's cool when you put yourself. You know, because like you said, it shows both sides. You know, you're, that you're versatile. You know, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It should be a blast. Go figure. A pro wrestler being honest. Wow. <laughs> well, you don't get that quite often on the show, guys, or what? I don't. I don't. <laughs> Too much. Too much. <laughs> Okay, so uh, 2008 just started. Uh, what are some goals for uh, you as a as a singles wrestler, and then uh, for you and your brothers uh, that you would like to achieve in 2008? I just want to keep uh, working as much as I can with with Nick. I, I prefer tag team wrestling. I think that we're going to find uh, most fame if we get any fame. I think it's going to be through tag team wrestling. I really do. I think it's easier to make it as a team because you you got two guys, you know. And singles wrestlers, there's just so many of them. There's no tag teams anymore, especially brother teams or matching teams. They're just not around. And I think that's why uh, Nick and I have had we found success in 2007 is because we're a different act. You know, there's not much, there's not many other teams like us anymore. You know, and most tag teams now are mismatched singles wrestlers. And it, it, it takes it takes two guys to make a really good tag team. You know, I think we're we're bringing back like the old school of like the rockers and midnight, you know, midnight rockers, uh, the tag ins, quick, quick tag outs, the 
ins and outs, you know, the, the, what made tag team wrestling famous, you know, like the Rock and Roll Express, you know. Um, but my goal in 2008, I mean, is just to keep learning, keep growing, keep getting our names out. Um, eventually, it would be really nice if I can quit my day job and do this, you know, only so I can just focus on this. So, I mean, um, one year is probably not much time, but it would be nice to land some type of deal somewhere or do something, maybe work overseas or something. Um, I'd also like to see HRW grow. You know, I'd like to see our fan base, you know, get larger. That'd be great. Uh, there's a lot of things, you know, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to see happen. Um, 2008 is also a, a big year for me. I'm getting married in, in November, November 1st, uh, to my fiance Dana, who I've been with for four and a half, almost five years now. So, I mean, it's going to be a, a great year. I think it's, I think 2007 was crazy, and I think 2008 is even going to be better. So. <laughs> oh, wow, that's awesome, and uh, congratulations. Oh, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. KZ, you got a couple questions? Oh, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I thought this was the Alex Saint show. <laughs> that's, that's Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's a little heat, there's a little heat right here. There's a little well, bit of you know, over here, I think so, huh? Well, I, I'm going to smack the hell out of him at the uh, the New Wave Pro Wrestling Anniversary Show in March. I'm going to walk him with a chair. But Was, yeah, it, was that a cheap am... plug right there, kind of? Or... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I caught that right there. Downtown YFA, uh, San Diego this Saturday, I'm just saying. Hey, there you go. Why not, you know? <laughs> There's Might plenty well. of time for that, Alex. There's plenty of yeah. time for that. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. How's it okay, going at Rick so, Dadlin's, bro? <laughs> so, uh, Matt, I yeah. know you have uh, Super Dragon and Davy Davy Richards in your crosshairs. When are you going to get a hold of those guys in a gorilla ring? You know, I don't know. Uh, I, I would really enjoy it. I've never been in the ring with either of the two. Um, I think the fans would enjoy it. I think it'd be different. Uh, but I honestly, I don't know. I, I, I would love to get a, get a match with those guys. I think that we'd be able to tear the house down. So it's just a matter of time, I guess. We'll see what happens. We'll see what they, if that's what they want, you know. But uh, Nick and I are ready for anything right now. We want to go out and make 2008 a huge year. And if we get an opportunity like that to wrestle two great athletes like uh, like Dragon and, uh, and Davey, who you know, I've got nothing but respect for, you know, so be it. We're, we're ready to go, ready to rock the house. Well, let's see what we can do about getting you booked. Um, let's give out your MySpace plugs and your website and whatnot. Sure. All right. My MySpace and my brothers, I get, we kind of share an account. It's just MySpace.com slash TheYoungBucks. It's real simple. Uh, you can contact us on there. Um, we used to have a website for high risk. It's kind of down right now, so I won't even bother. But uh, that's about it. I mean, Contacts through, uh, through that website, uh, the Young Bucks, and uh, you can pretty much get any information you need right there. Cool. Well, Matt, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I want you to give a message to Nick for me. Um, sure. Don't flake on Rubber Guard. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I really appreciate He's with you his coming girlfriend. on. There, was... <laughs> there you go. It was yeah. a pleasure, and we'll have you on again uh, in the very near future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. And maybe next time uh, Nick could join us. I don't know how that would work. We'd have to, like, tag out every time it's time to get on the phone or something. I don't know. You know what? That's, we usually do pretty good idea. with that. 
We usually do it pretty well in the ring. I mean, we could probably pull it off on the phone, right? <laughs> there you go. Cool, cool. Thanks for having All me, right, guys. I, I had fun. Take All care right. now. God we'll talk you. to you soon. All right, man. Bye. All right, dude. All right, Alex, that was a pretty good interview. Oh, wow, that was uh, overall really, really good show. Uh, it's, the show's oh. getting better and better and better. So we're have to we ain't done yet. Pay for this shit. We ain't done we yet. We ain't done yet. Uh-oh. We got five minutes, man. We need to run down that New Wave show. <laughs> run down the lineup. Hey, now, let me, let me go back to the, the computer and pull it up. Uh, January right, 12th. Thanks. Oh, you got it up? Saturday, January 12th. There you go. <laughs> Uh, the main event Don't is SoCal Crazy. You got it up? Oh, yeah, I got it up now. You got SoCal right, Crazy down. coming off his amazing NWA title match against the scrap that iron Adam Pierce. Let's see what he's got left in the tank. He's going against the new wave heavyweight champion, Chaos, with his uh, valet Jezebel. It's going to be a mixed tag team match. Um, it, it, it should definitely be a... Don't want to call it stepping stone, but definitely a match for uh, SoCal Crazy to prove himself. Uh, that's going to be a very, very big main event. And then our uh, semi-main event, we have the Fatal 4-Way. For the New Way Pro Wrestling Tag Team titles, um, this is going to be the second belt that uh, New Way Pro Wrestling is introducing, uh, the Tag Team Championships, because uh, as of recently, New Way Pro Wrestling, uh, there's been a, I don't want to call it an influx of tag team, but due to the school and other things that uh, we have a lot of tag teams, a lot of teams that work really well together, so we felt the need to crowd tag team champions of the show. And then uh, we have Surf's Up, who are our two students. And then uh, they're, they're a really, really good tag team. I, w- I would like to see them get work more. And uh, they'll be going against uh, Dos Patos Guapos, who uh, they've, they've worked before. And then uh, Anchors Away. And then the tag team of Precious Rick Ellis and Ariel Starr, who, as I've beaten everybody's heads, they had that amazing match in November. So uh, the hires up decided to put them together as a team. And then uh, – We'll see what it is. Uh, four-way, fatal four-way, like I said, elimination rules, and uh, it should be awesome. Then we have uh, the boss, Antonio DeMarco, against Matt Twisted. Um, for those who are there in November, the November 10th show, they have uh, some unfinished business after uh, the tables match, so hopefully they can get that all settled out after this match. Um, and then also also we have uh, your my co-host here, Alex Saint, taking on a very close, dear friend of mine, LaCura. Um, I'm sorry, Alex, but LaCour is going to hand it to you this weekend. Uh, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. I mean, I, I didn't get the moniker of the best professional wrestler in uh, New Wave Pro Wrestling. I, I just didn't give myself that, that moniker. Uh-oh. I earned it. Anyways, next match. <laughs> how, dare you ca- how dare you catch me off? Okay. Uh, Lucha Libre match. Uh, trios match. we got Ruby Gardenia, who if you've never seen him or her or it live, <laughs> you have to spectacle. see it. It's a spectacle. And then uh, he's teaming with Hishi It, teaming with Marte, and uh, the Blue Wonder, I can't say is uh, the Spanish translation, against Machiavellico, Conde Jr., and the dark and mysterious Kybera. And then, uh, like you said, the the next match is Alex Sand against Locura. Um, what, what else needs to be said? Uh, we got Rotten Ronnie Thrash against Chris Valentine, which, which will be a hard-hitting uh match. These two guys are not going to do all the flying around, but uh, it's going to be a hard-hitting match. And then we have the 2007 Rookie of the Year nominee, Devin Sparks, the SoCal sensation, against the epic Tony Williams. And then also we're having a special guest appearance, 
uh, San Diego Zone, Baby Slim. And then uh, it'll be a fun show. It'll be at the San Diego Downtown YMCA. Check out the website, www.newwayprowrestling.com. And uh, it'll be a good time to have by all. And then uh, say hey to me. <laughs> Are we still on there? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> okay, cool. All right. Well, we're running down. We're on our last minute. Um, Alex, thanks for your time again. Uh, thank and you very much. Well, thanks for having me. We will be live on the air tomorrow night with uh, – who do we have tomorrow? We have Chuck, Chuck Taylor. Chuck Taylor and Aria Davari, Sean Davari's younger brother. We'll be live on the air tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, well, let's get out a couple plugs while we're here. Uh, my sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com, and then uh, MySpace backslash Guard Radio. What do you got there, Alex? Uh, my MySpace is uh, MySpace.com backslash CM Saint, and www.NewWayProWrestling.com, and then support San Diego, support wrestling. That's about it. Yeah. Support anything that's not WWE or TNA. <laughs> well, support them too. I mean, those are those are paying guys too. Just support wrestling. Just come come to yeah, live sure. shows. That's all I can ask. Come to live shows, exactly. Well, we're counting down ten seconds. Alex, it was another fun show, brother, and I will uh, definitely talk to you later, bro. All right, keep it easy, KZ. Good night, bro. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.